0: I still want you. Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season five, episode 13 of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Total Eclipse of the Heart. Is this like a mid season premiere or something? Because there are a lot of newbies. It feels like it might be. And also, they make, you know, a lot of fresh start comments. So I'm guessing it is a mid season premiere. Or maybe at least after a hiatus or something. No, there was no hiatus between these two. Oh, huh. I guess they just had to go back to college. You know, they've been kind of away from college for a bit. This did feel, because it was like three new characters. Granted, only two of them stay with us through the end of the episode. But we're clearly putting some new things in motion. Enzo's in it now. Yeah, Enzo's part of the group, whether we want him here or not. And Stefan does not want him here. Me though, I do. Most people don't. But me, I'm pleased. Me, I like looking at him. What can I say? And who am I to turn my head away from another cute boy in the group? There's always room for more cute boys in the group, if you ask me. As always, I'll start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. I will say what's very interesting about the synopsis on Vampire Diaries Wiki for this group of episodes is they're referring to Catherine in Elena's body as Elena. Regardless, we in the episode will be referring to her as Catherine because she is, for all intents and purposes, Catherine. But this synopsis will refer to her as Elena. Hoping to help everyone move past recent traumatic events, Caroline convinces Elena and Bonnie to attend Whitmore College's Bitter Ball for brokenhearted students. Bonnie is intrigued with a fellow student named Liv, who appears to be dabbling in witchcraft. Tyler starts to worry about Matt's relationship with Nadia. After making a disturbing discovery, Stefan has a frustrating conversation with Damon and Enzo. Dr. West struggles to continue his research project with help from a new benefactor named Sloan. Still bent on revenge, Damon and Enzo resort to violence to convince Bonnie and Jeremy to help them. But their plan takes an unexpected and horrifying turn. You know, there's a problem with essentially acting like a villain. Sometimes you do get you do get beat down for that. Yeah, Damon very quickly... He like devolves back into villainy in a way he hasn't in quite some time and he immediately pays for those actions. Yeah, and he understands that. He says, okay, I get it, universe. Thank you for pointing it out. Make it clear for me. I was going at it a little hard on the hater energy. I get it. Even Enzo doesn't quite have the amount of hater energy coming back at him quite yet. Well, also Enzo's being a little bit less of a hater because like Enzo kidnapping Jeremy is not as mean as Damon kidnapping Jeremy because Enzo has no history with these people. Because Enzo's like, oh, okay, cool. We'll take that kid. I don't care. Yeah, Enzo's like, I don't know who the fuck you are. You're whose brother? And who's Elena again? And also, Enzo has gotten, like, no revenge besides watching Damon kill Aaron. So, you know, if he has to take it out on someone, I'm not mad at him for that. Yeah, I would love to see Enzo kill Wes. Not that I'm mad at Damon either, but... <laughs> but it's different. <laughs> we start the episode on what we can assume is the Whitmore College quad, Catherine is sitting on a bench. She is writing in her vampire diary and the song Best Day of My Life is playing. (laughs) She is living. This is happier than we have seen her in years. She hasn't been this happy. I don't think ever. Maybe since she was dating both the brothers in 1864. But even then she was running from Klaus. Yeah. So she is journaling and she says, Dear Diary, I love my life. We see her in the Whitmore College dorm. She wakes up. She like bursts out of bed. Sun is streaming in. She gets dressed and she's narrating. She's like, seriously, becoming Elena Gilbert is the best thing that has ever happened to me. It's kind of fun for her because she always was like, I should get the life Elena's living. And you know what? She did get it. And now as soon as she got it, she's like, I was right to want this. This shit rocks, dude. (laughs) She's looking in the mirror and she says, I finally have everything I ever wanted. I'm young, healthy, gorgeous. Everyone loves me. But best of all, I'm a vampire again. So rest in peace, Elena. Thanks for giving me your perfect life. She's like, bye, bitch. Catherine is going through Elena's phone, which is now her phone. And she's deleting like every selfie of Damon and Elena. She can find any picture of them. She's like, trash, trash, trash. She's like, ew. And then she says, and now that I've corrected the single worst decision you ever made, falling in love with Damon Salvatore, I'm going to win back the one thing I've always wanted she pulls up a picture of Lena and Stefan from like season one when they just met. And she sets it as her fucking wallpaper. She's just like me. She's so silly, Goofy. She is like, this is it. She's manifesting. I got to respect. She said, I have one thing I want and I'm going to go get it. Yeah. Anything else be damned. Logic be damned. Tact be damned. I am going to hit on Stefan today. And she, for the most part, gets away with it. But we'll talk about the holes in her logic as we get through the episode. Yeah, she gets a little too excited and lets some iffy things sneak in, but she does pull it back pretty much every time. She does a pretty good job. Better job than I expected her to be able to do, to be honest. She has a couple fatal flaws, but no one's picking up on them yet, which is kind of crazy. It does feel like it's spiraling a little out of control once we get to the end of the episode. So who knows how long she's got, but we'll see. She had to know this wasn't a long term solution. She should be happy it's going this well. I mean, I think she's delusional enough that she did think this was a long term solution. Yeah, no, I I think she did think that actually, which is foolish, but but, you know, she's never gotten to be fully foolish in this way. She was busy running. Catherine's a lot of things and delusional is kind of one of them. And honestly, her delusions are often backed up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for years, she thought the only reason Stefan wasn't in love with her was that he was in love with Elena. And that was certainly part of it. You know, don't get me wrong. But there were some other reasons, Catherine. Yeah, she's like delusional in the sense that she's like, everyone loves me and like, I'm the main character of life. I'm always going to survive. But then all those things were true. So like, can it still be considered delusion? I don't know. Yeah. So she's never known she's delusional because she always gets what she wants. Yeah, the delusion has always ended up being true by sheer force of will. So we'll see how she does. But we'll talk about her many times throughout this episode. We go to a Whitmore classroom. Caroline and Bonnie and Catherine are heading to class. And Caroline says, so we all agree. No more moping about life's failures and no more dabbling in the dark arts of boyfriend's past. This is a fresh start. And Catherine says, you know, I couldn't agree more. I happen to love fresh starts. Catherine's like, sounds perfect to me. This is my new life and you two are my best friends. (laughs) Yeah. And Bonnie says, um, I haven't been moping or dabbling. And Caroline says, no one likes a bragger, Bonnie. <laughs> Bonnie's like, I'm actually doing kind of good for the first time in a while. And Caroline's like, well, it must be nice. She's like, well, shut up about it. Bonnie sits down and she turns to the girl next to her. And she's like, oh, can we share like a chair to put their bags on? And the girl next to her, who is Liv, but we don't know this at the time, pushes her own bag on the ground without turning towards Bonnie. And Bonnie's like, okay, um, I appreciate it. Bonnie's like, okay, thanks, weirdo. And she just seems kind of standoffish at first, whatever. But we do get a long enough shot of her that it's like, okay, so she's going to be somebody. Yeah. One, you can see her wearing a bunch of bracelets, a bunch of rings, and some little skull earrings. So it doesn't take much to make a guess before we even get the clear clue. Exactly. Let's talk about the actress now that we've met her for the first time. We later learn her name is Liv Parker. She's played by an actress named Penelope Mitchell. She is so beautiful. She is very beautiful. I love her hair. She's stunning most recently she's got two upcoming projects so she's still working she's on star trek picard which i just found out was a show paul wesley's in it yes he is i think because i think paul wesley plays captain cook in that i think you're right anyway she's playing someone named renee picard and paul wesley's not on this poster which is why i was confused but no. i think he is in it lavera burton's in this too paul wesley's in some star trek thing that might be it that might not be it i actually don't know if it's it because i don't see his headshot. There's like 4 million Star Trek things. It's unnecessary. Other things that Penelope Mitchell has been in, really nothing I recognize her from, to be honest. She was in Hellboy, I guess, in 2019. Hemlock Grove. I know that was popular among some people. I mean, she's been working. Oh, she was a guest on Fashion Police in 2013. Oh. She must have been famous enough by then to have gotten that call. But why? I had a lot of episodes when everyone was famous. Maybe she was just in something that was out at the time. Three Vampire I think it was Hemlock Grove because Hemlock Grove started in twenty thirteen. Anyway, so I don't really know of anything. It looks like she does a number of horror things. I support her. I love her look. I love to have a new witch. Yeah, we need a new witch. It's high time. Yeah, we'll talk more about Liv Parker throughout the episode because we'll get a lot more of her, and then we'll talk about arc predictions. So anyway, Caroline says today is the dawning of a new era. This is stage one in our metamorphosis to the land of the brave, the free, and the single. And Catherine says, but Bonnie's not single, right? (laughs) Catherine says, but Bonnie's not single. Is she? she? And Catherine's like, and I'm not going to be single for long, bitch. Yeah. Caroline says, Bonnie's best friends are single, which makes her single adjacent so she can be our wing woman. Caroline hands Catherine a flyer and Catherine reads it. And she says, Whitmore's annual bitter ball, a night to celebrate broken hearts, jilted lovers, and bitter singles. It is iconic that someone planned this. Some girl had had it. Yeah, some girl was over it. It's Valentine's Day. She said, fuck you, happy bitches. Some events chair in some sorority is exhausted. No, Aaron planned this before he died. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron said, we need something for bitter people. One thing that makes me giggle about this is how close it sounds to Butterball. Yeah. It's hard not to laugh. It looks like a fun party, don't get me wrong. I'm standing it, but it's just a little silly. And points to the Vampire Diaries writers, because this is the endless curse of a teen drama, is when they're in high school, it is so easy to have a dance for no reason. Yeah. But when they're in college, it's harder to create like a dance where it makes sense to dress up. Yeah. Or a dance where like it makes sense that they would all be there and not like black out. <laughs> yeah. Not blackout, Not like crazy music, like kind of reasonable party school dance vibes. And what I respect about the Vampire Diaries is they're just doing school dances at college. Yeah, they pick a different theme and they call it Whitmore's annual blah, blah, blah. And it's a school dance. And I love that. And what I love about it is that they go through the significantly more difficult process of making a big swing. They could easily say it's homecoming. But no, they say it's the annual historical costume ball. Yeah, I love that. They so could have gotten away with just saying it's a dance. And they said, no, we're going to be more specific. And that's what I love. It's the same thing of they could have done any dorm room. And they said, you know what? You guys are going to make fun of us regardless, because obviously it's a TV show. It's going to be a bigger dorm room than normal. Yeah. So we're just going to put a fucking fireplace in it because now now we're in on the joke, bitch. I love it. Like we could make this a realistic college experience, but that's not why you're watching The Vampire Diaries. You want fun dresses. And so we're going to give you a better ball. We could name this new vampire Dave. His name is Enzo, Okay." We could name this new witch Olivia. No, her name's Liv. We named another bitch Sloan. You haven't seen that since Ferris Bueller's Day Off, bitch. (laughs) This is the Vampire Diaries. We clown in this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Like, And I love it because it's fun. I'm having a good time. They gave us, here's the thing about the Vampire Diaries. They gave us three seasons of really perfect fantasy drama. And then they said, you know what? We're going to have fun with it now because you're all here. They said, we clearly have as many seasons as we want. So you guys are going to watch this. And also because if they throw a frat party, everyone's going to be like, well, that's not like a normal frat party because blah, 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 blah. If it's a bitter ball, you can't tell me that's not what a college bitter ball looks like because you don't have anything to compare it to. They made it up. This very well could be like something that happened somewhere. You just didn't experience it at your sad little college that doesn't have historical balls. Well, and you know what the best part of this is? Some Vampire Diaries fan, who's her sorority's social chair, said, we're doing that here now. You know what? And I would love that. And I would go. Because if I'm one thing, I'm bitter. Do you know how fun a bitter ball would be at a sorority social? Oh, do you know how many girls would go to standards for that? (laughs) Now that's a party. Catherine says, this is our fresh start. And Caroline says, this is our purge, our cleanse. This is where we rid ourselves from the baggage, better known as our tragic and mortifying first semester. I mean, yeah. She had a rough first semester. She was hung up on Tyler, who wouldn't even call her back. And then she was hung up on Jesse, who died. And then she hooked up with Klaus. Which she swore she would never do. And Caroline needs a break. And Catherine says, I'll drink to that. Catherine right now is looking at what is the path of least resistance to get to dating Stefan? Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, if I can lean into this fresh start thing, this might help. If I go to a bitter ball because of my breakup with Damon, maybe people will think I'm like excited to move on from that, even though she's like, I could give a shit about Damon. I'm trying to get to Stefan fast. But I understand Elena would hopefully take a little longer. Exactly. Meanwhile, Bonnie watches as Liv is spinning her pencil, her hands above it. It's obviously she's doing it with magic. She's just playing with her pencil. Bonnie's watching this. And Caroline says, Bonnie. And then Liv notices Bonnie watching her and stops really quick. And Caroline says, Bonnie, you in? And Bonnie's like, oh, yeah, sounds like fun. And Bonnie looks back at Liv, but she doesn't say anything. She just, like, clocks this information. Yeah, she's like, hey, girl, you know I saw that, right? I mean, and Liv has the energy of, like, girl who's in art class. Like, she's like, no one's looking at me spin my ass pencil. Yeah but like you're still doing a spell in the middle of a crowded lecture hall. I mean, someone might see that. Exactly. Come on, girl. She's definitely artsy, like artsy vibes. And I'll say something bold right now. I'm going to even skip ahead and wait. I'm not even going to wait for predictions. Jeremy, he's right there. I'm rooting for them over Bonnie and Jeremy at this point already. Interesting. Interesting. This scene is when I started rooting for her to get with Jeremy. Well, yeah, because she's like an alt girl and that's Jeremy's bread and butter. She's giving Anna... And you know I'm a Janna truther. So now you're a Jaliv truther. (laughs) Leveramy. Jiv. Jiv. Laramie. I like Jiv. I like Jiv. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's the most elegant of the options. Yeah, that's true. Which is not that big of a win because most of the options are pretty clunky at best. Yeah. (laughs) So it happens with a fucking J name. Yeah, what can you do? We go over to the Salvatore house. Stefan arrives home and he can't help but notice that Damon's car is like atrociously badly parked. It's like almost run into the building. That's already not a good sign. And then so Stefan walks down to the back of the car and there's blood all over the trunk. And so Stefan opens the trunk, which is just unlocked. And there is Aaron's dead body. Then Stefan's like, okay, and he closes it. And why did they bother bringing his body back here? I thought that literally by the end of this episode, we'd see Aaron like turned into a vampire because they didn't know he had a vampire blood or something. Mm-hmm. because I was like, oh, why are we seeing his body? It's Chekhov's, Aaron's body. No, he just brought the body home. <laughs> My suspicion is that they just didn't want to leave that body out because they wanted to get to Wes before Wes got wind that Aaron died. Oh, that's true. That's true. But also, from what we've watched of Damon and Enza the past few weeks, do they seem like two guys who are thinking ahead? Yeah, it just seems like it makes more sense for them to throw him in the woods Yeah. than put him in the trunk of the car i was like oh this is a sign he's not dead no he's he seems to still be dead (laughs) he seems pretty dead still (laughs) so Stefan goes inside and he finds damon damon is on the couch but he wakes up and as he gets up from the couch like a bunch of empty bottles fall all over the place it's like broken cut crystal everywhere (laughs) he's like okay damon says sorry about the mess i had some company over and things got a little out of hand The company in question was one guy and his name is Enzo. It was just the two of them. How did they break this much glass? It looks like a tornado flew through this room. Stefan says, you want to tell me what's going on out in the driveway? And Damon says, oh, yeah, I let Enzo drive last night and he's a little out of practice. He almost ended up in the damn foyer. Plus, you were probably both drunk. And Stefan says, huh? And Damon says, oh, you mean Aaron? And Stefan says, yes, obviously, I mean, Aaron, you fucking idiot. Damon says, yeah, well, last night we hunted him down and I ripped his throat out. I just figured it was time to shove the last branch of the Whitmore family tree into the wood chipper. Fair enough. Is it the last branch? Do you think this is the end of the Whitmore family as we know them? I mean, Wes is still out and about, and he's not in the Whitmore family, but he's adjacent. I think this is the end of the official Whitmore family. When I was taking notes for this episode, I feel like I can say this, because we go on to learn Liv's last name later in this episode. Oh, I did consider. I did consider Liv Whitmore. When I wrote this note, I was like, can I get Stephanie to say Liv is a Whitmore? Uh, Don't get me wrong. I did consider it. I had the thought of, okay, who's she related to? You know, I did have the thought and I appreciate that you thought you could get that because I do think you could have pushed me there if I'm honest. Well, what I would have done if we had not learned her her last name, I would say, you know, I hate to bring this up, but Liv's Blonde. And she does kind of give the vibe of all her family died that. And also like the earthy girl who's rebelling against being rich by like not wearing the gold that she can afford, you know? Sure. You could have gotten me there, I think. Yeah, I think I could have. But we learned her last name, unfortunately. Julie Fleck had other plans. Couldn't get me to say something on my <laughs> Julie Fleck said, I can't have Stephanie looking stupid. <laughs> can't have her looking more stupid. Yeah. Stefan says So Lena breaks up with you And your first instinct is to go on a killing spree Could you be any more predictable <laughs> Damon says no Stefan struggles this whole episode With how to Kind of emasculate Damon mm-hmm. Into like Making him feel stupid And this is not a bad attempt yeah. it's like This is really predictable That worked on Klaus like a charm Yeah you kind of have to reverse psychology him like, you can't be like, Damon, it's not right to kill people. Because Damon's like, I know. And that's why I'm doing it. Ha ha ha. Like, <laughs> yeah. you have to kind of be like, Damon, come on. Like, th- you're a much better vampire than this. This is lazy. Yeah. It's uh, the best move he has at this point. And he, does a- he has a good read on Damon's mental place we get through throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's another factor here. And that is our dear friend Enzo. Enzo walks in and says, it was my idea, if it makes you feel any better. And then he holds out his hand, and he says, hi. And so remember me, we met when, and yeah, Stefan says, yeah, I remember you, when you were trying to tear Damon's head off. And then Stefan says, so what, you guys are old pals again, murder buddies, is that it? And Damon says, oh, well, you know how it goes. I mean, I left him for dead, he tried to kill me, we worked things out. You know, you spend five years with someone in a dungeon, you have a pretty unbreakable bond. Stefan says, I'm your fucking brother. Stephen says okay brothers also have a pretty unbreakable bond and I don't know how this five years thing like if I'm Enzo if he's like we spent five years together that to me if I'm Enzo I'm thinking like I spent fucking 60 in there yeah don't say the number five like it's long yeah exactly (laughs) like Like, I would be offended like oh oh you spent five years oh oh are you okay (laughs) was that hard (laughs) Enzo's better than me (laughs) And so says, have you haven't heard from Dr. Wes Maxfield by any chance. Bloke's next on the Augustine hit list, and he's a slippery little devil. First of all, Stefan has met Wes Maxfield exactly once, and it was after Elena had headbutted him and knocked him out. So Stefan would not have heard from Wes Maxfield. He doesn't know him. Mm-hmm. So Stefan gets off topic again. He says, is that the plan? Kill off Augustine and then go back to your sadistic, psychotic old self? And Damon says, I happen to like my sadistic old self Stefan. In fact, I miss the guy. Okay, Damon. When you're saying that, do you think it sounds believable? Damon, I know that you think that you sound really cool right now, but the thing is, you've been dating Elena. Like, anyone who dates Elena, I mean, is kind of being a murderer. So, yeah. let's let's all remember. <laughs> And Taman says, you know, that guy wasn't dumb enough to try to change himself to get a girl. I mean, that guy was dumb enough to do that because he did that. Yeah. Well, and he was dumb enough to chase a girl for 150 years who didn't care about him. So which one's worse? Yeah, he was dumb enough to go after a girl for 150 years who he thought was in a tomb who straight up wasn't. Who was straight up avoiding him. Like, is that better? Yeah. Damon says, get another hobby, brother. I'm not in the mood to be saved. And so Enzo starts suggesting some hobbies because he's being goofy. He says, golf, scrapbooking. I would love to see these two scrapbook. (laughs) They'd be be simply ugly. Hideous scrapbooks. (laughs) They giggle, giggle. And Stefan says, come on, Damon. You're better than this. And Damon says, on the contrary, brother. I'm better like this. Oh, he thought he so ate with that. He thought that one up a couple days ago and he's been saving it. He's been waiting for the context. That was not an off-the-cuff remark. He's had he that one teed up. He was waiting for the setup. So Stefan leaves. He says, okay, well, that's enough of that for right now. He said, well, I did what I could at the start of today. I'll be back to this, I guess. He said, I need a break. We go over to Whitmore. Catherine is on the phone. And she says... Hey, Stefan, it's me. Um, I was just wondering, I mean, I know things are kind of crazy and you're probably busy, but maybe you might want to come to campus and we can get a drink or I don't know, talk. And at first you're hearing this, and it's like, Catherine, this is stupid. Yeah, it's like, Catherine, this does not sound believable, girl. But it is revealed that she's actually on the phone with Matt. And Matt says, so you're trying to get back with Stefan? Catherine says, I didn't ask you to editorialize. I asked you if that was something Elena would say. And Matt's like, I mean, I guess. Matt's like, I don't know. She doesn't call me to ask me out ever. Yeah. It's like, I mean, she might say that, but in this case, I don't know if she would. Yeah. Nadia takes the phone because she's with Matt and she says, OK, walk away. Forget this conversation. She compels him. He goes. And so Nadia talks to Catherine. She says, OK, are you happy? Can I leave now? And Catherine says, no, stay close. Matt is my Elena Gilbert cheat sheet. I didn't go through all the drama of taking over this body so I can be outed because I didn't know Bonnie's middle name, which is Sheila, by the way. It's so funny because, you know, we said this last time too. I don't think Matt is the richest information fountain for this, but also he's the one they can compel. So yeah, as we go to find out, I mean, the more complex answers that Catherine starts looking for, like what's the deal with Enzo? And does Caroline have feelings for Stefan? He doesn't really have any expertise on. Yeah. The only person who has expertise on those things is Elena with her lived experience. Yeah. Matt's not around Elena all the time. He doesn't go to college with her. He works the job. Yeah. Like, if you want to ask him what Elena orders at the grill, I bet he could tell you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine if that's what Ka- Catherine caught? She went to the grill and ordered, like, a salad. And they're like, Elena always gets the chicken club. Like, wow, Elena, <laughs> you've been getting the chicken club for 15 years, what made you change? Also, if like Elena was like allergic to blue cheese. (laughs) For some reason, Catherine wasn't. Elena has the cilantro soap gene, but Catherine doesn't. (laughs) And they're like, why are you eating cilantro? You have the soap gene. Oh, you're Catherine. (laughs) Catherine loved cilantro. (laughs) (laughs) Nadia says, you promised we'd spend time together. How long do you expect me to sit around the Mystic Grill like some sad, lonely butterfly? I hate to tell you this, Nadia. She really doesn't give a fuck what you do all day. Nadia, she told you you would spend time together so you would help her live. She made it abundantly clear that her top priority was to go get Stefan back. And, you know, if you want to hang out with her, maybe you should start hanging out with Stefan. Yeah, that would get you in. But Catherine also, I don't think she necessarily senses how impatient Nadia is getting, Mm -hmm. but also she thinks Nadia is a pretty easily manipulated person. So Catherine's not worried. Yeah, I think she's counting a lot on like Nadia hunted me down for 500 years. Like she wants a relationship with her mother so bad. I can definitely take advantage of this, which she can in many ways. But she should clock that Nadia has the potential to blow this up if she gets annoyed. And Nadia does not always think her moves through the way Catherine does. Nadia it was forever like, I'm not talking to my mom anymore and turn back on it. So she could easily tell someone and turn back on it but it's already out there. So just watch out for her. Especially since she's now spending more time with Matt, who she already has a soft spot for. Because one thing about these fucking old vampires, they all have a soft spot for Matt, Rebecca, Catherine, Nadia. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't get it. They're all just like, oh, he's so human. And he, meanwhile, he's like busting a table, like dropping a bunch of glasses. It's <laughs> come on. He's so human. He can't even balance it. A- trey he's been working here for four years it's like you know most humans can actually bus a table yeah it's not unique to him he's just (laughs) the only bus boy you know it's so funny also you know thinking about matt because at least when rebecca was into matt there was like like yes he was a bus boy at that time as well but there was like the quarterback angle that they have now just like completely abandoned because you can't play football as a high school graduate Catherine says, oh, please, don't pretend babysitting Maddie Blue Eyes is some kind of hardship. I mean, didn't you lure him into your bed in Prague? Nadia says, I didn't lure him. It seems like that's exactly what you did. You super did. That's You robbed him. You do generally lure before you rob. <laughs> yeah. Nadia says, well, at that point, I wasn't compelling him to forget everything. Oh, get off your highways, Nadia. <laughs> okay, here's what I'll say. Compelling him to forget everything is not as bad as stealing all his things, especially when he's notably poor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Especially his magic life ring, which is much more valuable than like, I'm sure his $20 Target watch that you stole. And much more valuable than his memory that Elena might or might not say something. Yeah. (laughs) And Nadia says, he's not a puppet. And Catherine says, okay, I get it. You like him. That's adorable. Nadia says, okay, I'm hanging up now. They hang up. Yeah, because she's like, you're not not killing another one of my boyfriends. (laughs) Yeah, no ma'am. Then we go over to some abandoned hospital. We later learn it's in Richmond. Wes comes in and there's a guy chained up and Wes says, hi, how are you? And the guy's like, bad. You chained me to this like metal bed frame, apparently. Yeah, his name is Joey, we later learn. He says, what's going on? Who are you? Wes says, my name is Dr. Wes Maxfield and you're Joey, right? I saw your name stitched on your work shirt when I grabbed you. Apologies, but I never managed to make proper acquaintance of the janitorial staff before the hospital lost its funding. Do you want me to look up Joey's IMDb knowing he dies at the end of the episode? Yeah. I'll see if there's anything interesting on it. I will say he was a former University of Georgia football player. He's definitely cutie. He was on one episode of Westworld in 2022, so very recent. I will say a lot of these posters for things he was in look like made in Microsoft Paint or like their miniseries or, or if he's in like a movie that looks more professional, he plays like gunman number one, officer four... So he's kind of a background guy. He's in something called The Wolf, where he plays Travis Wolf. Maybe he's a werewolf in that. Sounds like he's the titular character. Oh, he's writing something now. He wrote a screenplay. He's written some stuff. He's directed some stuff. His name is Chris Marone. I don't think I even said that. (laughs) You didn't. Sorry. (laughs) He's listening. He's like, say my fucking name. He's like, I got to hear what they say about me. Well, Chris Marone, you are so hot, but I don't know that you've got big acting going on right now but i liked you in this i thought you did a great job i think he would do really well on like the hallmark movie circuit i think so too that is my recommendation for his agent he does have two upcoming projects one is the screenplay he is writing that's in production right now good for you chris and he's definitely listening and he's taking a break from filming the scenes to listen to this i'm excited to see it (laughs) and then he's in development for a project where he plays a character named car salesman number two um, So ups and downs in his career for sure right now. He's got the screenplay thing, though. Let's let's see where that goes. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> anyway, but here we know him as Joey, the super hot guy who's about to go to the other side, the super hot vampire janitor. Yeah. Table for two, please. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Wes, in reference to the abandoned hospital, says, you know, it's depressing, isn't it? The economy is no friend to medicine. Everybody laughed. Wes, that is, like, the one place that's recession-proof. Yeah, the economy is actually medicine's biggest friend. Ah, uh, America. Um, Not to get on our <laughs> political commentary-ish, but, but, but you know. But everybody laugh. Joey says, hey, what do you want from me? I don't have any money. Well, we we guessed that. You're a janitor at the hospital, Joey. You're a janitor at an abandoned hospital. No one kidnapped you for money. Yeah. <laughs> Wes says, ironically, Joey, neither do I. He's so obnoxious because I know you lost all your funding for your research. You didn't earn that funding for your research yourself, though. Well, also, you know, not to get into estate law, but so the trust went to Aaron. He died. The money might go back to Wes anyway. I would guess it's probably going to Whitmore. Oh, yeah. But I think also before Aaron died, he specifically took the money from Augustine. But if it went back to Wes, he could just put it back into Augustine. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it didn't go to him. And again, it doesn't really matter because this is not like a TV show about what happens to people's belongings after they die. Joey says, what did you do to me? Why am I so hungry? And Wes says, well, in simple terms, I turned you into a vampire. Now I'm going to condition you to feed on other vampires instead of humans. And Joey says, what? Joey says, vampires are real. And then Wes says, would you believe I've already done it once? And Joey's like, I don't even believe in vampires. Joey's like, I mean, I guess. Like, I don't have any evidence to disprove that if you're telling me that. Like, unless you're <laughs> lying to me, which you might be, because I don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Joey's like, you seem pretty young to have been, like, making scientific discoveries. And Wes is like, well, I'm smart. Seems like if you were making scientific discoveries, you'd have a tape recorder you'd be talking into. And he says, don't even get me started. <laughs> Wes says, look, all I have to do is replicate what I already did. Research is just money and time. I've got time. I'll find money. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, I don't know where he thinks he's finding money for this deeply illegal mythical creature research. But then wouldn't you know it, it walks right in. Yeah. A woman walks in. She says, perhaps I can help you with that. Another beautiful queen. I know she's iconic. She's pretty. Wes says, who the hell are you? And she says, I'm judging your crappy lab. And he says, still didn't catch your name. Boy, why are you being so rude to this woman who straight up said she's going to give you money? She didn't even ask any questions. Like, because again, where else do you foresee getting money for this? (laughs) He says, hello, sharks. (laughs) (laughs) She says her name is Sloan and she's here to help. And so she's like, so you can lose your arrogance. So let's talk about Sloane. She's a new character. We'll talk about overall arc predictions for Sloane once we get to the end of the episode. But let's talk about the actress now. And I love the name Sloane. I love the name Sloane too. I think it's a great name. Very underused, very cool girl vibes. It's on my baby name list. Don't take it. It's on my baby name list too, but low enough down that I don't think I would get to it. Yeah, it's not really my top one either, but it's on there. The actress's name is Caitlin McHugh. And she has a very famous husband. I would love you to guess who it is. It's like an A-list actor. Maybe B-list at this point in his career. Mostly TV. Okay, that good. Because I was, I was about to say Liam Neeson. I'll be fully open. Okay. Let me make one guess and then you can give me hints. Yes. Okay, I, I have a guess. Okay. Simon Baker. Who is Simon Baker? From The Mentalist. Oh, he's C-list. More famous than Simon Baker. Okay. Hugh Lloyd. I would say equally famous as Hugh Lloyd, but hotter. Okay, good. Because that did help me. Because I was going to guess Scott Bakula. So that takes him out of the running. Not Scott Bakula. Oh, what's his name? This person, you know his name. If you have to guess on this guy's name, you got the wrong guy. John Slattery. Oh, no, it's not John Slattery. Less prestige. Okay, okay. Hotter than Hugh Laurie, less prestige than John Slattery. Okay, that does give me a pretty small window to fit in. It does, doesn't it? You've got to think more sitcommy, sitcommy, but hot. David Boyanis. That's not a sitcom. No, but that's closer, but more comedically inclined than David Boyanis. Okay, but you're thinking the right idea of someone who was on a long-running show, and still popular despite the fact that he's no longer on his long-running sitcom. I don't think it's anyone from Friends. It's not anyone from Friends. I can tell you that. If I tell you the sitcom that he was on, you will immediately guess who it is, I think. but So I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other sitcoms because I don't think it's Seinfeld. I don't think it's The Office. I don't think it's Perks and Rec. Can you give me a network? I actually don't know what network it was on because the time frame is similar to Friends and Seinfeld. It's an older sitcom. Okay. Ted Danson? No. But that's actually as close as you've gotten so far. Okay. But younger than Ted Danson. I worry that the sitcom he was on is not even crossing your mind as sitcoms. I fear it's not. Which is weird because as soon as you hear it, you'll be like, how did I not think of that? Literally, my mind keeps saying the George Lopez show. And I know it's not that. (laughs) It's not. It's not George Lopez. But that's the hump I'm getting stuck on. (laughs) Just tell me if you're ready to give up. No. um, Is there any other clue you can give me? This is a clue I'll give you. I think this will get you pretty close. He also had an arc on Glee. John Stamos. It is John Stamos. I wasn't even thinking of Full House. You're right. You're right about that. I know I could tell you weren't. Fuck. Okay. Well, that's good for her. Anyway, yeah. She's been married to John Stamos since 2018, apparently. I love John Stamos. Obviously. So yes, her name is Caitlin McHugh, wife of John Stamos. (laughs) You can see how I was saying more hot than Hugh Laurie, less prestige than John Slattery. I got closer with every guess. As for Caitlyn, she's acting. She's still working. She's got an upcoming project. But she seems mostly to be like one episode of NCIS here, a movie there. I mean, she can just act for fun now that she's married to John Stamos. Yeah, honestly. Oh, this is interesting. She kind of hasn't acted since being married to John Stamos. Slay. She had a short that came out in 2022 and she has an upcoming project. But between 2017 and 2022, she didn't act at all nothing on imdb good for her now i think she's kind of a self-help girly she has a podcast i bet she does married to john stamos it's called how can i help (laughs) (laughs) kayla McHugh
1: stamos
0: (laughs) she's real for that oh this podcast that she has is with john stamos they co-host love that for her that's the dream i know marry any one of those men i guessed and have a podcast with him. she's so real so that's who Caitlin McHugh is. She, we know her as Sloan. Sloan says, I'm here to offer you new funding for your research. And he says, what do you know about my research? Wes, the only thing you should say is thank you so much, Sloan. Yeah, make the check out to Dr. Wes Maxfield. Why are you being so combative? She's going to give you basically free money. She says, I've been tracking your Augustine experiments for months. So in return for money and protection, I have some blood I want you to analyze. Pretty low stakes, but I do have to ask. What blood do you think she wants him to analyze, knowing, as we learn later, that she is a traveler? I'm guessing, I mean, I don't think they have Silas Romero's blood, but I'm guessing that the travelers want to have some sort of cure available. Even though none of them are vampires? Uh, Yeah, even though none of them are vampires. Maybe they want to get rid of vampires, too. They don't seem to have a lot of love lost for him. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the blood that they would want analyzed. And that's why she wants to enlist Wes if they want to get rid of vampires Wes is the only one with a really usable tool to do that that we know of so that's just my guess but the travelers i mean they just do whatever they want whenever they want so they're just vibing as far as we can tell <laughs> yeah Wes says i'm sorry but i'm done getting into bed with mysterious benefactors and i don't need your protection let's unpack that number one when have you ever had a mysterious benefactor before Yeah, because you knew exactly who was funding you before. And you only are mad about that because he took the money from you. Yeah. After he found out because it was even more mysterious to him. And you do need protection, second of all, because people are literally on their way to kill you at this very moment. Yes. And Sloan does have evidence for that. So she says, I beg to differ. She puts a bag on the table and Wes says, this is Aaron's bag. And inside Aaron's bag, he finds the vial of the Ripper compound that Aaron took from his lab before Mm-hmm. Chekhov's syringe we'll get to that later west says where'd you get this and sloan says well i hate to be the one to tell you this but aaron whitmore's car was found abandoned in the middle of the road last night and west is like why would i give a fuck about that <laughs> west says no <laughs> yes you were willing to trade his life for yours not 24 hours ago you told him all this and then you didn't like go protect him you didn't go grab him he cut your funding and he was as good as dead to you sloan says. Sloan no one has seen or heard from him. And, you know, not to shit on the dead here, but who would have seen or heard from Aaron anyway? He doesn't have friends. Sometimes you listen to True Crime and they're like, oh, they didn't text me back in five minutes and I knew something was wrong. Aaron, I'm sure, is not talking to anyone. I think he could go undetected dead for like two weeks at least. Aaron's friends and family, famously, are all already dead. Yeah. Except for Elena, who, by the way, is kind of dormant. Yeah, kind of out of commission as well. Yeah. So. so it's like, oh, no one's heard from him since last night. Yeah, that's pretty normal. He's not exactly a social butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Wes says he's dead, isn't he? And Sloane says, yeah, my guess is yes, he's dead. And more to the point, you're next. Then we go to a dungeon. We can assume it's in the Salvatore house based on the look of it. Enzo and Damon look in a cell, and Enzo says, you know, once we finish off this Augustine mess, like, what do you say to a road trip? I was thinking South America, Cape Horn, you know, I've sailed past it, but I've never stopped over. And you know where I think they should go? Paris. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Paris is lovely this time of year. <laughs> oui. Damon says... I'm not thinking that far ahead, and opens the door. Now, Enzo's like, "Um, well, I've been captive for 60 years, so I get to pick our first vacation spot. Yeah, Enzo's like, you took all the revenge already, so I would like to pick our first trip. And I think that's a low bar. We're not playing rock, paper, scissors for that, okay? I learned my lesson last time. They go inside the dungeon, and Damon says, rise and shine, Diane. How's her favorite head of Whitmore security? Uh, so in the dungeon, it's Diane Freeman. We haven't heard from her in a while. She famously is the head of Whitmore campus security. We'll remember when she iconically introduced herself. Hi, I'm Diane. I'm the head of Whitmore campus security. Many great hits. We'll remember her for at one point making Stephanie's Augustine vampire suspect list. Yes, she was on my short list. It was kind of a joke, but not. Not enough of a joke to leave it off the list. (laughs) Yeah, not enough of a joke to keep to yourself. (laughs) But things are looking down for Diane at this point. Not that they were ever really looking up for her. One thing I respect about Diane is she was the head of campus security, but she said, dress for the job you want. I'm dressing like a detective. She was so real for that. (laughs) So that's standable in her way. One thing about Diane that I love is she just... Talk about delusion. Because you would have thought she was literally working for the what's it called the bau in criminal minds she's like a low-level member of augustine that's what's so funny is that she was in augustine but she was acting like she was like the dean of the school again confidence bitch like and she's not even the one who signed the death certificate and the funniest thing about this we later find out she forged suicide notes that could not have been necessary She forged the death certificate if anything that makes it less believable because it's not their handwriting like she just wanted to be involved she gave up her dream of being a writer to take the glitz and the glam of being head of whitmore campus security (laughs) i just don't understand like she would have had to type these suicide notes she stole megan's surface Here's what happened. She really wanted to try out the Surface. She'd seen the ads. she heard the hype about it. She heard it was just as good as a laptop, but she didn't believe it. And, you know, she lives an on-the-go lifestyle, so she was really intrigued by that. Windows lets you be on the move and do all these things in a way that a Mac could never do. She's like, if those ads are correct, that's a game changer, but I just don't believe it. And so she said, oh, I got to try this out. It's like a free trial period, one of the many perks of my job. And then she said, oh no, I stole this to write the suicide note. And then Jesse dies and she's like, I'm going to write the suicide note on this one too. Now that I have a penchant for suicide notes. Anyway, so poor Diane, it's caught up to her. It always was going to. (laughs) Enzo says, oh, it's ironic that you're the head of Whitmore security, you know, since we broke in and kidnapped you from your office. She's like, yeah, well, I fancy myself more of a detective. Diane says, let me go, please. I have two kids. I don't believe for a second Diane has two kids I think she's lying. I do think that's something Diane would do. I, know. I have two kids and they'd be like, what's the name? And she said, uh. She's like, okay, Bluff called. Like, okay, you got me. I don't have two kids. I'm married to the job. <laughs> Enzo says, oh, a mother. Interesting. Then you can imagine how heartbreaking it would be to learn your child committed suicide, especially when your child was actually murdered by a vampire. A murder covered up by you. If it helps, I did give them some closure by writing a suicide note. What Diane does, and she's so iconic for this, deny, deny, deny. She says, I didn't do any such thing. Like she knows she's caught. She knows they're bleeding the revenge out of her system, but she's still lying. She's so real. She said, you know what? I'll do it till the end. Damon says, now Diane, (laughs) tell the truth. Okay, girl. Uh, He compels her. He says, did you cover up a vampire attack on campus by forging a suicide note or two? She says, yes, I did that. She says, yep, absolutely. Enzo says, looks like the Bervain is officially out of her system. And Damon says, okay, now I want you to tell me exactly where I can find Dr. Wes Maxfield. And she says, I have no idea. I haven't heard from him in days. I'm in a dungeon. She said, he doesn't tell me shit. He thinks he's better than me. And that's simply not true. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm wearing a suit to my job and he's wearing a lab coat. So you tell me who's more important. Damon says, that's a shame, Diane, because that makes you a dead end. And then Enzo says, well, technically. And then he snaps her neck and he says, now she's a dead end. Ha ha. Da 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 <laughs> But I'm well writing lines today. Damon says on to the next. So rest in peace, Diane. Queening till the end. <laughs> she was a star that burned bright up until the end. But, you know, at the end of the day, ACAB has to get them all. Yeah, ACAB includes Diane Freeman. But I do believe Diane Freeman found peace. She's up there with Andy Starr and they're slaying it. And they're giggling. Queening in peace. (laughs) I don't know why I'm attached to Diane Freeman in this way. She's so unnecessarily silly. Why is she doing all this? Something about her. I don't know. Something about the name Diane is funny too. That's doing a lot of heavy lifting, I think. And I think the way she introduced herself was like, Hi, I'm Diane Freeman. I'm head of campus security. No tact. Pure, unadulterated Diane. If Diane was on of Little Liars, she would have found A in a minute. She would have said, why did all of your phones go off at the same time the second you started talking to me? I'm Diane Freeman. I catch things like that. <laughs> we go out to the woods. Enzo is digging a hole next to the car. He's clearly there to bury Aaron's body and probably Diane's too. Stefan approaches and says, oh, I see Damon's got you on shallow grave duty. In what world did Enzo need to get looped into this? Like, he wants this. Yeah, he's having fun. He wants the fresh air. He's outside. Enzo says, oh, be a mate. Grab a shovel. And Stefan says, yeah, I'm going to pass. I've buried enough skeletons out here. Enzo says, I'm sensing a metaphor. Stefan says, I think you need to find yourself a new best friend. Stefan said, that's my best friend. He says, look, Damon's in a bad place right now, and you're not really making things better. And I know you just got out of captivity, and you're looking to blow off a little steam, which is fine. Just do me a favor and leave my brother out of it. You can't blame him for trying. Enzo says, yeah, he mentioned you were a bit of a do-gooder. And Stefan says, you know what makes somebody walk the straight line? When they have no choice but to be the balance for somebody who's about to fall off the edge. And Stefan's like, I would know. I fall off the edge many times. (laughs) Yeah. And Enzo says... Oh, but it's just, like, so much more fun when you can just commit to the leap. You know, you're welcome to join in on the fun. Looks like you could use it. Stefan's like, Enzo, I don't know how to tell this to you. You don't want me to join in on the fun. He's like, it'll get away from me. You're not going to get to kill anyone if I jump in on this. Yeah, it will stop being fun pretty quick once I get involved. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Stefan takes the shovel from Enzo, and then Enzo says, ah, good man. And Stefan pretty quickly knocks Enzo to the ground and then pushes, like, the... And wooden bit of the shovel slightly into his chest. Yeah, like very much just like using it to hold him down more than go into him all the way. Exactly. And Stefan says, why don't you be a mate? Get in that car, start driving, don't look back. Stefan looking very hot and sexy. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, if it's a sexy off and Enzo is giving him a run for his money, baby. (laughs) Yeah, it's a sexy off and Enzo will not lose a sexy off. (laughs) Um, So what Enzo does is he smiles. And he grips the shovel and he pulls it into himself more. Yeah. It's a real show of dominance. It's very hot and sexy. Yeah. He fucking ate Stefan up. Yeah. And you can see, like, Stefan is like, oh, fuck. Even Klaus would never do that. Yeah. Enzo says, you think that hurts? I'm curious, Stefan. What do you think you can possibly do to me that hasn't been done a hundred times before? Go on. Give it your best shot. And all I have to say about these two is... I hear Paris is lovely this time of year. (laughs) So then Stefan, after being, you know, a little taken aback by this, flips the shovel and puts the metal part up to Enzo's throat and says, what I do to you, Enzo, will be final. You got it? Be sure I never see you again. He tosses the shovel aside and leaves. It's a good threat, but I do think Enzo comes out of this on top because really the only card Stefan has to play right now is to kill Enzo. That's not going to help Damon's situation. Yeah. He doesn't want to do that. He just wants Enzo to leave. And Enzo clearly is not scared of someone killing him. He's like, oh, please kill me. I was craving death for 60 years. Even if I'm free now, I welcome it. Then we go over to the Whitmore dorm. Catherine is looking at her phone. She's looking at her contacts. And specifically, she's looking at Stefan's contact, which is funny because it's Elena's phone, but was iconic about the contact list is Stefan doesn't have a last name in the phone and neither does Rebecca, but everyone else in the phone who have people we don't know have last names. I just think that's interesting. She didn't feel the need to add last names. She said, I know who I'm talking about. Exactly. She said, I know which Rebecca it is. I wish it said Rebecca and then in parentheses, do not answer. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline comes in and Catherine says, oh, good, you're back. I need your help. And she holds up two pairs of earrings and she says, diamond or dangly? And Caroline says, since when does Elena Gilbert accessorize? And Catherine said, oh, Again, it would be so iconic if Catherine got clocked because of wearing earrings. Yeah. But Catherine does cover it. She says, since she's being conned into going to the bitter ball with her best friend, Susie Sunshine. Catherine, you got to hold it back a little bit with the condescending nickname. Yeah. Caroline says, you know, you're not fooling anyone. I know that you're faking it. And Catherine's like, what the fuck? Catherine's like, over it. says, "Faking, faking what? And Caroline says please. It's so obvious. And then Catherine's like, oh, fuck, I've been had. But Caroline says, I appreciate it. I do. But you know, I'm on edge because of the whole Tyler Klaus thing. So you are pretending like breaking up with Damon was no big deal. Catherine's like, yes, that's what I'm doing. Catherine says, Caroline Forbes, how do you always see right through me? She's giggling, giggling. Yeah. A very Elena line. Yeah. Every once in a while, it's like Catherine gives a line that is so inspired and she doesn't always do it but she's getting better the more she does it the better she's getting they gotta they gotta discover her pretty soon yeah because she's getting better she's learning <laughs> caroline says look you don't have to pretend with me and if you don't want to go tonight it's all good i can be bitter party of one and then Catherine gets a call from stefan and really quickly says do you think stefan would want to come and caroline's kind of like taken aback by that question and does answer and Catherine doesn't wait for the answer Catherine just picks up and says hey i was just about to call you and it's like oh girl feels like this might be getting away from you. Yeah, because it is like Caroline wanted her to break up with Damon, but she does think it's weird that she would like go back to Stefan after this and so fast. Like she's definitely a little surprised by this, but I think she's not wanting to voice it because she doesn't want to give the information that she's kind of feeling something for Stefan. She doesn't want to admit that. So I think she's like, oh, I'm just being dramatic. Yeah, exactly. Stefan says, hey, listen, I need to talk to you, but I don't want to do it over the phone. Um And Catherine says, oh, what's wrong? Stefan says, let's just say it involves Enzo. Catherine has no idea who Enzo is. Catherine says, and that's a person? But Catherine does a good job where she says, oh, Enzo. Okay, then maybe we should meet in person. Just basically repeating what Stefan said. Yeah, she says, Enzo. That's the name you said, right? <laughs> so are you sure? Enzo? Enzo? <laughs> She says, you know, actually, um, Caroline's dragging us to this Whitmore thing for Lonely Hearts. I think you should come. As though Caroline's not sitting back there listening to that. Yeah, she's dragging. (laughs) Stefan says, yeah, no thanks. I already did the college thing. Twice, actually. But you did high school how many times? Yeah, (laughs) notably less time in college, which seems weird. (laughs) Yeah, seems weird. Maybe he just likes the set in stone hierarchy of high school. I think he does like uh, the structure. Plus, I I think in college it's a little sexier, so it's a little easier for him to go on a ripper binge. Yeah, it's harder to go on a ripper binge from the hours of like eight a.m. to three p.m. Yeah. Catherine says, please, if it's bad, then I'll owe you a fun time. And that comment Caroline clocks. Caroline's like, huh. Owe you a fun time. She says, What kind of fun time? Then we go over to the grill. Nadia is sitting at the bar and she looks at a text from Catherine that says, Who the hell is Enzo? Nadia she's like just sitting here asking questions all day what a boring life I know and to be fair she doesn't really have any other friends because you know her boyfriend is notably dead yeah thanks to her mother Tyler comes in he approaches Matt at the bar and he says give me whatever will obliterate the memory of Caroline and I'll say this now that forward is broken up Tyler's cute to me again yeah he's hot now that we're done with that he walked in I was like oh he's so cute and I was like wow all I needed was for Caroline to have sex with Klaus for me to get there I'm back pro Tyler. Matt says, I thought you said you weren't drinking today. And Tyler says, no, I said I wasn't drinking alone today. (laughs) Get help. (laughs) That's concerning. It's a little better, but not much. Tyler spots Nadia and he's like, oh, she's new. And Matt says, whatever you are thinking, unthink it. That is Catherine's daughter. And psycho doesn't fall far from the tree. Matt's like, don't. (laughs) matt says i don't even have time to unpack that (laughs) nadia says i can hear you you know matt's like yeah matt's like i'm aware matt says yeah you locked me in a safe and buried me alive one time yeah and she says okay i'm sorry i was trying to save my mother's life and i failed so if you don't mind i'd like to sit here and grieve in peace nice acting queen Because also in a way, she is grieving her relationship with her mother because it's becoming more and more clear every day that her mother doesn't give a fuck about her. Yeah. Tyler says, you want a shot? Tyler's like, ooh, mom issues? Your mom died? Dead mom, hot, want a drink? Deal. Tyler says, I want a shot. Let's do shots. And Matt says, what? Matt says, okay, you can just drink alone, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Tyler says, you heard her. She's sorry. Her mom's dead. Let's do shots. Matt says, okay, it's your funeral. We jump like a little bit later. Drinks are flowing. Nadia has moved over to sit with them. They're having fun. Tyler says, my mom was so afraid I'd flunk eighth grade and embarrass her. She actually wrote an entire English paper for me. You were going to flunk eighth grade because of an English paper? If you were going to flunk eighth grade, was that the last time she wrote a paper for you? Be honest. Yeah. How is Carol the villain for that story? <laughs> Sounds like you're a scrub ass bitch. Sounds like you, like your father, are a bitch ass who makes Carol do all the work. Once again, I'm standing Carol. Yeah. Not enough to not root for Clay online, I'll say that, but you know, I am standing her. You know who Carol Lockwood is loving in heaven? Diane. <laughs> Just two high powered women. <laughs> They're so real. They laugh, they cheers. And then Nadia says, my mother was so desperate for companionship, she compelled an entire town to be her friend. That is an oversimplification and kind of a misread. Yeah, she wasn't really doing that for companionship. She was doing it just so they would all, like, hide who she was. Yeah. But whatever, Nadia needs to talk shit on Catherine. I get it. I respect it. And they all cheers. They take shots. And then Matt says to Tyler, my mom hooked up with you. And Nadia says, oh, my God, seriously? And Tyler says, hell yeah. Both Matt and Tyler are like, oh, afraid so. And she's like, ha drink. And Tyler says, wow, I kind of forgot about that one. And Matt says, I didn't. Yeah, Matt says, I remember. <laughs> they all drink a shot, including Matt, who is on the clock. Again, there's a reason he's not moved up from Busboy. He is not allowed to even be pouring shots, but he's doing it anyway. I <laughs> know. Tyler says, I have to pee. And then Nadia says, hybrids pee? As if like she doesn't expect them to pee. Unclear where this is coming from. Yeah if it's a joke, whatever. And Matt says, there's got to be a fire hydrant joke in there somewhere. Ha ha ha. It is so funny because I know they're not giving us this lore, but I'm like, is this confirming that vampires don't pee? I don't think it is. I don't think we're ever meant to think about it. But I had to ask the question. With, they were like, hi, pee. I was like, do you not pee? Yeah, it does imply that in a way that is like unnecessary. And I can see what they're trying to do is get everyone in like a laughing mood. But my suggestion to the writers would be, Maybe next time you got to put a funnier joke for it to be convincing. I know they need Tyler to go so we can hear this. He can just say I have to pee. It's clunky at best. I don't have to think about the law of peeing. Yes. (laughs) Tyler says, hilarious. Pour another round. Matt says, gladly. Tyler heads to the bathroom. Matt and Nadia are laughing. And then Nadia gets serious for a second. And she compels Matt. She says, who's Enzo? And Matt says, oh, I don't know. I've never met him. And... Nadia says but you've heard of him and at this point we can see tyler didn't get to the bathroom he's listening with vampire hearing yeah he heard this and like has turned around because he's like what the fuck because you can imagine that tyler was like oh i wonder what she's gonna say about me when i walk away and then he's like who the fuck is enzo (laughs) yeah matt says oh he's damon's buddy from augustine they were cellmates for five years i think he's free or something and nadia says thank you forget everything i've said since tyler left and Tyler notably hears that, which there's no reason to say that except compulsion. Yeah. So they cheers. They take a shot. Tyler goes to the bathroom. Because he did have to pee. Yeah. Because he did have to pee. That wasn't a lie. We go over to Whitmore. Jeremy is in a suit-ish. He's with Bonnie. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy says, so we're going to a dance, but we can't show up together because you can't bring a date? They're not going to arrest you. I don't think anyone said that. And also, it's clearly like, Yes, the theme is like, whatever, bitter. There's clearly themes for ends of relationships, but clearly it's a hookup party because people are hooking up. Yeah, people are making out at this party. It's okay. You're going to be fine. The corsages may be dead, but there are still corsages to be had. Bonnie says, I told you it was weird. And Jeremy says, better idea. Let's get another hotel room instead. Let her hang out with her friends. She says, Caroline would kill me. And Jeremy says, Bonnie, we're happy. Can't we just act like it? No, no. Although he is looking cute to me here. I'm glad he's looking cute to you. (laughs) I want him gone. (laughs) I wish that plastic bag worked a little harder. (laughs) Bonnie says, you know what? You're right. I am happy. And they kiss. Now, Damon doesn't like that anyone's happy. So he approaches and he says, it's like driving past a car crash, except you want to look away. Just like, then do. And they're like, okay, what are you doing here? Like, okay, hey, Damon. He says, oh, ha ha ha. I tutor some kids in calculus. I like giving back and being a good role model. Just kidding. I'm here to kidnap your boyfriend. You didn't have to do the bit. No one thought that was real for even a second. And they also don't even think that kidnapping the boyfriend is real. Jamie says, OK, you're not funny. Let's leave. And Damon says, no, like, I am serious. Like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and Bonnie says, um, let go of him. And Damon says, oh, or what? You'll glare me to death. I mean, he's got a point. What is she going to do? Yeah, he says, you don't have your little magic wand to back you up anymore, Bon Bon. And Jeremy says, hey, leave her alone. You're being really negative. (laughs) Like, why are you being mean? And Damon says, relax, okay? I'm here for you, not her, you idiot. Keep up. Anyway, I have this hit list and I can't find my last target. So basically, I need a witch. And Bonnie says, okay, well, you just said it. I can't do magic anymore, so go away. And Damon says, "Grams ran a cult studies. I'm sure we can throw a rock and hit a witch around here. So take this. It's a handkerchief. And he says, this is Wes's blood. My buddy Enzo kept this as a souvenir. This should jumpstart a locator spell. Tick tock. And, you know, luckily she did see a witch today, but it's like, you just expect she can find one right away. I know. Jeremy says, are you deaf? She's not helping you. You're not going to hurt me. Elena would. And Damon says, oh, Elena would what? Hurt me? Dump me. Been there, done that, wrote the whole country song. Bonnie says, kill you. She she would literally kill you if you hurt Jeremy. Yeah. And Damon says, cool. And then me and all her doppelgangers can start a baseball team on the other side. First of all, there's not a single one of her doppelgangers on the other side. <laughs> One's in human heaven. One is in her body. Enzo comes in and says, what did I miss? She denied your request yet? Can we get on to the fun bit? And Bonnie says, who the hell are you? Meeting, because I'm convinced they're going to date. You're convinced they're going to date. Do you see the sparks flying here when you kidnapped your boyfriend? (laughs) No. He imagined Bonnie was like, who are you? Kidnap Jeremy, please. (laughs) Yeah, You don't have to bring him back. (laughs) Enzo says, I'm the one who gets people to do things they don't want to do. And then he grabs Jeremy's head and like smushes it a little bit. But Jeremy's clearly in pain, so it works. But it looks anticlimactic to us. Yeah, it's very much just like, okay, are you squeezing him a little <laughs> yeah and bonnie says okay stop fine i'll help then we go over to the bitter ball katherine and caroline have arrived katherine is handed a dead corsage and caroline takes one too and they go in but that is some party planning mastery mhm katherine reads a text from nadia that says and so is damon's augustine cellmate dangerous Catherine's like okay got that and then katherine heads down the stairs and she runs right into Stefan, and he says hey And she's like, great, I can get right to it tonight. She says, hey, you made it. And he says, I did. So who thinks up these things? And Catherine says, lonely, single people. As though Stefan would not have thought up this exact event. Stefan needed this event when he and Elena first broke up. Yeah, he would have jumped at this then. He's (laughs) like, so who thinks up these things? And do you think they would do one at my house? Do you think this is like a traveling event? Or do you think it's just here? Catherine says, come on, dance. And then they start to dance a little bit. And she says, see, as promised, fun. And he says, you seem good. And she says, I got the same reaction from Caroline. Like I'm not allowed to smile or something. She's like, okay, here I go. I have to look sad again about Damon. (laughs) Stefan says, did I say that? And she says, no, but I see your look. And he says, oh, I have a look. And she says, yeah, that look. Stefan, if you don't keep it in your pants. It's like, Stefan, fucking get it together. She's like, Stefan, don't do this. (laughs) Stefan, I am counting on you to figure this out. (laughs) She says, yeah, that look. I'm fine. You don't have to worry about me. I'm great, actually. I'm the only non-bitter person at this bitter ball. Caroline watches this. Because Caroline's clocking the flirtatious vibes, and she's like, hmm. Caroline has been pro Elena getting back together with Stefan. And, of course, in a perfect world, because Caroline's dealing with her own feelings for Stefan right now, they're not in a romantic space yet. Even in her mind right now, her ideal goal is a world where Stefan and Elena get back together. But it is very unlike Elena to switch gears this fast, especially how deeply she was into Damon, which Caroline knows better than anyone else. Yeah, especially because Caroline had constantly been trying to get her to not like Damon. And Elena kept like talking about why she cared about Damon, why she was with him. And like though she didn't agree with that logic, she understands that Elena like strongly believed it and was able to do that. And so it's weird that she would be like this ready to flirt with Stefan. Mm -hmm. Elena and Stefan have still been talking. They're still friends, but this is a pretty obvious shift to flirting. Especially from Elena's end. Because Stefan's always ready to jump into this because he's just charming and cute. Yeah, Stefan just kind of flirts naturally. Mm -hmm. Elena has been keeping her distance. And also, you know, Elena, if she had just broken up with Damon would talk to Stefan about it and be like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. Like, that's exactly how she would act. She wouldn't definitely be like, I'm not bitter. I'm happy. Elena, got over something in a day, please. Yeah, let's all be completely honest. Elena, who burned her house down, she's fine. It's been two days since the breakup and she doesn't care about it at all. Let's all be realistic. Um, Stefan says, Elena, listen, I need to talk to you about something. You know, Damon got himself into bad stuff. Because Stefan's really here to talk about this thing, not to flirt. But, you know, if he can flirt, he will. He'll flirt while he's here. (laughs) Catherine says, yeah, well, that's what Damon does. If he gets the tiniest bit hurt, he lashes out. He doesn't think. He doesn't try. He just acts. And for the longest time, I tried to fix him and change him. But I think he ended up changing me. And I'm not sure I like the person I've become. So this is an interesting spin. And I think though she gets away with it in this instance, this is the kind of fatal flaw of Catherine's Elena performance is she cannot at all understand why Elena fell in love with Damon. And the way she's speaking about Damon in this part particularly mm-hmm. is very like pre-vampire particularly like season two Elena reactions to Damon, which were true at the time, but especially in conversations they had with the breakup, Stefan would know that this like, he ended up changing me is not Elena at all. Yeah. I think like she does a good job pulling it together of like, oh, I don't know if I like who I became because that is a question Elena had. But I think all the parts leading up to it, I was like, oh, Stefan's going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, this is very much like, the way that Elena talked about Damon was very much beyond this kind of place. Yes. This is kind of how she talked about him before a lot of the growth in their relationship that happened when Stefan was off running about with Klaus. Yeah. Which, to be fair, Catherine wasn't really involved in a lot of the stuff after that. Well, to Catherine, it's like so obvious that she should pick Stefan, that she hasn't, like, Catherine has been studying like what she can from Elena, but she hasn't taken the time to sit and think like, How did this relationship come to be? If there is a breakup, like, how did this reasonably happen? Also, like, I know she knows that maybe Stefan doesn't have all the details anyway. Mm -hmm. But Stefan got looped into this a lot more than I think she realizes. The fatal flaw with Catherine's argument here, while she does salvage it, is she just cannot understand why someone would dump Stefan for Damon. Yeah. She can't understand it. And moreover, she doesn't want to understand it. She generally, like... She wants to pretend to be Elena, but she absolutely refuses to put herself in Elena's shoes. Yeah, exactly. Like she she's like, I can fake it, but she just doesn't like Elena. And so she has a hard time, like getting the full Elena experience because she's like, oh, I'm Elena. I'm so fucking stupid. Like That's her role. The other thing, she just refuses to explore. She's just like the reason Elena fell in love with Damon. Easy. She's dumb. Yeah, she's a big fat idiot who's living her life wrong. Like that's all she got. I was like, Catherine, you have to go a little deeper. You can't just think that. Especially when Damon very clearly laid out his little argument for why they should be together. She tuned that shit right out. That was going in one ear and out the other. She was like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because she was like, I get to dump him, I get to dump him in her head as he's like explaining their relationship, giving her information that she could definitely use, but she's just too excited to dump his ass again. And she could have listened to his voicemails, but she says, I can't sit through that. (laughs) She deleted every single one. Like she just refuses to... in the work to become elena because she doesn't really want to be elena she just wants to be alive in this body and get stefan and acting like elena is her way to do that but she doesn't want to be elena yeah it's a necessary evil to have to act like elena i think her goal eventually is to just make subtle changes so that eventually she can just have her own personality and everyone thinks it's elena again a little bit delusional but they're not catching on yet Yeah, and frankly, Stefan is usually the one who catches her in these things. And if he's flirting with her right now, she's like, oh, I'm doing it, bitch. I'm home free. So she turns this around a little bit because she turns it to like, I'm not sure I like the person I've become. And then she says, do you? And this is complex for Stefan because this was his whole argument in the beginning of season four is like, Mm -hmm. Elena's changing because she became a vampire whatever that's understood but is this who she really wants to be he also was like Damon's turning her into this because she's sired to Damon we're past that now yeah and Stefan for the most part is past it but there's still a bit of him that he's like was I right I don't think he's in the place necessarily where he's like waiting for Elena to come back to him but I do think he is in the place where like he's not necessarily ready to say no to that either exactly Because he sees like the growth that Elena and David have gone through together and he respects that like they have a relationship that is more complex and like more positive for them than he originally thought would happen. Mm -hmm. But he's also like still getting past those feelings of love and wanting the best for Elena. And if what Elena thinks is the best for her is him, who is he to deny her that? It's kind of his thought process. Exactly. He's like, well, if you're in love with me so much, like it's just mean for me to not be in love with you too. At the beginning, he was ready to badmouth Damon. He was ready to badmouth their relationship. At this point, he's not badmouthing anything, but he's like, but if she just so happens to come to that conclusion, like she got there. Like maybe this was just another obstacle for my epic love. Yeah. Stefan says, do I what? And she says, do you like who I am or do you miss who I was? That's a thinker because Stefan (laughs) does miss who Elena was, but he also has come to terms with the fact that who Elena was ain't coming back. She died on that bridge. Yeah, well, and also that like who Elena was and who he was at that time, those have both changed. Mm -hmm. Now, hers were more obvious because she went through a bigger shift, but like through this process of moving past Elena, he has changed as well. And like, yes, maybe it would be nice to go back to old Stelena when some of our problems weren't here and a lot more people were alive, but like that's the past. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, he does like who Elena is now, but he also does miss who she was. Both things are true. Yeah, and you know, Stefan says, "Elena, I." But Catherine knows, like, it doesn't actually matter if she gets an answer from him on this right now. She just wants to get him thinking. Yeah, she just needs to plant this seed. Exactly. So she says, "Let's change the subject," which is smart of her. She says, "I'm just gonna let this lie." Yeah, she's like, "Oh no, I, I didn't mean to ask about this so soon after my breakup with Damon. I'm Elena. I'd never do that." Mm -hmm. So she does kind of save herself there. So she does cover it for a part in this conversation. It's like, oh, girl. You're taking a hole, but she does get out. But this is, I think this conversation, like she gets out and she tricks him. But I do think if like right after this conversation, someone floated the possibility that Catherine was somehow alive, Stefan would be like, oh shit. Like, I think if he thought about it, heard and had that possibility floated, he would get there relatively quickly, but he's just not there yet. Mm -hmm. Catherine says, what did you want to tell me? What did Enzo and Damon do now? Since she knows who Enzo is now yeah she has so much disdain when she says enzo and damon like Catherine rained it in a bit yeah <laughs> stefan says can we talk about it later is that okay and katherine says fine by me and they start to dance but caroline approaches she says hey you might not well borrow her for a minute she promised she'd join me at the shredding station katherine is pissed but she's trying to cover it up yeah katherine is mad and stefan says oh yeah sure she's all yours and caroline says thanks and they go Over at the grill, Nadia has left Matt and Tyler alone and Tyler wasted no time because Matt says, Nadia's not compelling me. That's exactly what a compelled person would say. (laughs) Yeah. Tyler says, really? Where the hell's your vervain? And Matt says, right here. He lifts up his wrist and then he notices that he doesn't have his bracelet. And he's like, oh. He says, oh, shit. (laughs) And Tyler says, see? She swiped it and probably compelled you not to notice. And Matt says, but why would Nadia be compelling me? And Tyler says, I have no idea. Tyler's like, I just met the woman. <laughs> I just met the woman and she's talking about some guy that I have no idea who it is. And so Tyler says, is there any vervain here? And Matt says, oh yeah, share for us you so can put it in the coffee. And Tyler sees Nadia across the bar looking at her phone and Tyler says, drink some now. And Matt goes to drink some coffee. We go back over to the ball. There's dancing, there's hooking up. And then we go over to the shredding station. Which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a shredding machine for pictures. Very cute. Caroline says, did you bring anything to shred? And Catherine says, no, because I didn't realize people still printed photos. You know who does still print photos is Elena Gilbert. Elena, 100%. 100% Elena has thousands of photos. Caroline shreds a couple photos of her and Tyler. And Catherine says, okay, do you feel cleansed? And Caroline says, almost. And then she takes out the horse drawing. My jaw dropped. You said no. (laughs) I said, Caroline, don't. Catherine says, Tyler, drew you a horse? And Caroline says, no, Klaus did. And she shreds it. Pain. Pain for all the Claroline girlies out there. But I will say this made me like, somehow this had the opposite effect that I was like, oh, we're not done with Claroline yet then. Cause she's holding the flame. If she wasn't affected by this, she wouldn't need to shred it. Okay. So I'm in a new delusion. New delusion incoming. <laughs> new delusion alert. Catherine says, wow, clean sleep. And Caroline says, yes. I am making a decision. These relationships are over and I'm not going to change my mind just because I'm feeling bored or nostalgic or lonely. And there's a pregnant pause (laughs) and says, wait, are you doing a thing where you're talking about yourself, but really you're talking about me? And Caroline says, you tell me. Caroline says, I'm just saying, you've been through a lot lately and your emotions are all over the place. So are Stefan's. I think that making yourself so available could maybe be confusing things. And Catherine says, do you think I'm leading him on? Which is a pretty good Elena line. It's a pretty good save because this is the kind of thing Elena would be worried about. And she's also trying to gaslight Caroline into like, I wasn't flirting with him. I was just having a sweet little Elena conversation with him. I'm just so sweet. Caroline says, I didn't say that. I just forget everything I said. Catherine says, okay. And leaves. He says, great. Great. This is interesting because I think Caroline's on the right thing here. Mm-hmm. And I think that she didn't roach it in the way she normally would have. And she kind of backed down on it because I do think there's some slowly burgeoning feelings there. So she is now realizing that it comes off more jealous than I think she would have meant it before, because in the past she would be like, you kind of are leading Stefan on. Yeah. I think she is noticing, like, I feel like this is weird But then she's also like, well, I kind of wanted them to get back together. So why am I suddenly feeling like I shouldn't? Exactly. She's like, why do I feel like weird about this? And it's because it's Catherine. Elsewhere, Damon enters the ball with Bonnie and Damon says, this makes me so happy. I'm not 19 and stupid. Maybe you're not 19. (laughs) He says, all right, Bonnie, where's your little witch friend? And Bonnie says, live, Parker. She's in one of my classes and she's not my friend. We see her. She's got bottles in a box. She's wearing a button up. She clearly works the event. Bonnie says, I looked her up, found out she works events catering. By the way, this is a total shot in the dark. And Damon says, well, I'm feeling lucky. I'm sure you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Elsewhere, Caroline approaches Stefan and she says, hey, come on, come be bitter with me. And he says, no, you are the second person I didn't come here to dance with. And she says, OK, then what are you not telling Elena? And he says, Way to eavesdrop, Caroline. And she says, Okay, well, obviously I'm gonna do that. She says, so sue me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's illegal to eavesdrop now? Way to talk within earshot. Yeah. (laughs) We're all doing things. (laughs) We all make our decisions. (laughs) Caroline says, You came to a dance of your own free will. Something is up. And he says, Okay, fine. Damon fell off the deep end. And Caroline says, What do you mean by deep end? And Seven says, well, for starters, he killed Elena's friend Aaron. And I came here to tell her that, but we were dancing and she seemed so happy and I just couldn't. Caroline says, you think if you tell her what he did, she'll give up on him forever? For Aaron? Elena would be pissed. Like, Elena feels bad for Aaron, but, like, there are far worse things Damon has done that she has forgiven him for. Yeah, I think Elena will be able to forgive killing Aaron. Also, like, of all the people he could kill... On an anger whim, Aaron's pretty easy. And let's be honest, if Damon hadn't killed Aaron, Enzo would have anyway. Yeah, it's not that sad. Aaron's days on this earth were numbered. Let's say that. Stefan says, yeah, I know she's going to give up on him forever. And I don't think I'll be able to pull Damon back from that. I mean, I've seen Damon at his worst, Caroline, and I actually think he enjoys the way it makes him feel. It's like the more pain he can cause, the more reasons there are for people to hate him. He wants to confirm everyone's lowest expectations of him. And I honestly just don't know how to fight that side of him. Finally figured this one out, huh, buddy? Yeah. How'd you come to this conclusion? (laughs) (laughs) He said this out loud. His favorite monologue is, I'm bad. I'm bad for you. (laughs) And Stefan says, you know, I'm starting to think that he likes feeling like he's bad for people. It's like he's white fanging us. (laughs) Damon approaches and says, why all the dramatics, brother? It's like, okay, we're both being dramatic, so let's not call Stefan out on it. Yeah. Stefan says, what are you doing here? And then Caroline notices he's with Bonnie. And she says, Bonnie, what's going on? And then Damon says, don't worry, I'm not her date. We're not breaking any bitter ball rules. And Stefan says, how about you answer the damn question? Yeah. (laughs) Stefan's like, neither of us thought you were her date, first of all. Stefan said, can you be serious for a minute? Damon says, well. Bonnie is going to find me a witch to do a locator spell on the elusive Dr. Wes Maxfield. She's going to find him. I'm going to kill him. And then he's like, oh, Bonnie, should I tell them? And Bonnie says, the other thing is Enzo does have Jeremy. And if I don't get a witch to find Wes by midnight, he's going to kill him. And it's like, look, I know they kidnapped Jeremy and they said that. But let's be serious. As if no one would believe that they kidnapped Jeremy, because of course they already would. Bonnie has a picture. She hands her phone to Stefan. It's a picture of Jeremy tied to a chair. He's smoldering. He's looking unnecessarily sexy for someone who was kidnapped. It's like, like, is this a magazine shoot? Like he's making a little sexy face. He's posing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love it, but it's not exactly a proof of life photo. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He doesn't exactly look like kidnapped. Stefan turns after looking at the photo and sees that Catherine is there. Catherine looks at the phone. And then she really pulls out some tears to look so scared about Jeremy. Because she's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to care about him. She looks at Damon and she like looks scared. And then she like turns away from them. And as soon as her face is facing the opposite direction of them, she rolls her eyes. She's like, fuck this. (laughs) Like, come (laughs) on. Now I have to pretend to care about that guy I killed not six months ago? Yeah. It's like, I wish he stayed dead. (laughs) (laughs) Elsewhere within the ball, Catherine is on the phone and she says, hypothetical question. If Jeremy Gilbert's life was hanging by a thread, could I credibly just let him die? Now, Catherine, I don't know why you needed to waste cell phone minutes on this conversation. You know the answer to this. You do not need Matt to confirm it. In a way, I would say, like, might as well ask. But this is, like, the one case where it's, like, you know the answer, Catherine. Yeah. And even, like, you could maybe not try that hard, like, let it get away from you. But, like, you do have to out quite a few stops to save him like at the minimum. Exactly. She says, you know, because his death would be really convenient for me. And Nadia says, are you seriously making a pros and cons list? And Catherine says, are there any cons? Because I've only listed pros. And Nadia's like, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> and Katherine's like, you know, I'm just saying, his death would earn me a lot of tenderness and sympathy from Stefan. Well I think this has some water to it. I actually think Jeremy's death would make Catherine's life harder. Because remember, the last time Jeremy died, Elena burned her house down and turned off her humanity. So Catherine, you can't like go the next day and be like, everyone thinks I should be upset, but I'm not. Yeah, you can't go and be like, Stefan, can you just cuddle me? He'd be like, no, you're gonna have a nervous breakdown again. And she'd be like, oh, I'm not gonna do that. It would take any sexy energy out of the air. Yeah. For at least a month. That is the real con. Not only that it would expose her. You're having a hard enough time faking it as it is. Do you think you can convincingly fake grief about Jeremy's death? That's more dangerous than you letting him live. Yeah. Catherine, think long-term. If Jeremy dies, you're going to have to go to a funeral. Yeah. Because he didn't get one the last time. So this time you <laughs> would have to definitely get one. <laughs> and you would have to probably give a eulogy. And you know you can't do that. That's the con. But also, you know, there's a number of reasons not to let Jeremy die, which Nadia gets into. Nadia says, if Jeremy is in danger, Elena would do everything in her power to save his life. You already know that. Nadia's like, I don't even have to go compel Matt to ask it. Yeah. Catherine says, but Stefan is here and we were dancing and it was good. And I think he was even flirting with me, which is very naughty, even for him. She is so impatient. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, girl. Give him like a week at least before you start deciding to kill Jeremy, okay? And Nadia says, Catherine, if you don't start acting like you care, they will figure out you're not Elena. This is her kryptonite, acting like she cares. Because she just can't. She just can't pretend to care about Jeremy. <laughs> and Catherine says, so if I happen to know exactly where he is, I'm supposed to go and put my life in danger to save that little rugrat's life. And Nadia says, do you know where he is? Nadia's like, you're literally wasting time asking me about this. Yeah. Like, isn't everyone like, where did Elena go? (laughs) Catherine says, yes, he's at that hideous Whitmore house. I recognize it from the picture. Apparently, I'm the only one who's been to a Whitmore tea party. Nadia says, go save him now. Catherine says, okay, fine. But in the meantime, I'm going to need you to find out for Matt if Caroline has feelings for Stefan, because she's really starting to grate, and I need to know what I'm up against. We go over to where Nadia is. She's behind the grill in, like, the alley. And Matt comes out to find her and says, who keeps calling you? (laughs) Because, yeah, the one person she knows is her mother, who is dead. To Matt's knowledge, Nadia has been associated with two people. Gregor, who is dead, and Catherine, who is dead. Nadia tries to compel Matt. She says, does Caroline have feelings for Stefan? And it's so funny to think about Matt's been being compelled this whole time. He doesn't know why he's being compelled. This is the first thing he's asked. that He remembers. He's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this question? Well, and I'm sure he can like tell he- that she's compelling him. But I think he's also like, how do I even fake this? Like, this isn't something that I would hide even if I knew. You know, this is just a weird question. Yeah. Like, why would you want to know that? Why would you compel me to know this? <laughs> yeah, He says, Caroline, I have no idea. <laughs> and Nadia says, think, has Elena ever been worried Caroline might steal Stefan away? Have they ever fought about him? And Matt says, not that I know of. He's like, I don't really think I would know that. And Nadia says, so you think Elena can win Stefan back? And Matt says, why are you asking me about Elena? He can't even pretend to be like fake compelled because he's like, this doesn't make a lick of sense. He's just completely confused. Yeah. And then Nadia says, forget we had this conversation. And she runs away. She vampire runs. And Matt's like, what? (laughs) Immediately, Tyler comes out into the alley and says, So was I right? And Matt says, Ty, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. And then Nadia reappears and snaps Tyler's neck. And she says to Matt, you're not going to tell him anything. There's a number of ways this plan could have been better. Number one, Tyler eavesdrop. Number two, Matt, just go back inside and then just maybe don't even talk about it here. Yeah. Or text each other. Yeah. Like while you're standing talking about something else. Assume that Nadia will stay nearby. Everyone has fancy hearing. Like, let's just be careful what we say. Remember when everybody would turn on a faucet when they were talking? Do that. Let's run that back. Run the soda gun. And as far as we know, Nadia is not invited into the Lockwood house. Just talk about it at the Lockwood house when you stumble home drunk. Yeah, you have a safe place to talk away from vampires. But this is Tyler's, one of his many fatal flaws. He's a little bit impatient and he's not the king of subtlety. Yeah, he's excited to have caught something like this. I think he's he's also trying to distract himself because he doesn't have a girlfriend right now. Yeah, exactly. We go back over to the ball. Stefan approaches Catherine and he says, are you okay? And she turns around and she turns on the fake tears and they look good. Yeah, she is eating that. Sometimes, and we've talked about this before, sometimes when Catherine is imitating Elena, She is like making fun of an emotion more than she is performing it. Yeah, she's doing like a caricature of the emotion. Like, wouldn't it be so funny if this is how I reacted to that? But this time she's actually doing a pretty realistic portrayal of crying. Mm -hmm. And she says, I can't lose Jeremy again. Stefan, please help me save him. And they hug. Then we go to the back room somewhere at this ball. It's clearly where the burr is being stalked from. Bonnie approaches Liv and she says, hey. And Liv's like, yeah, this room's off limits, girly. And Bonnie says, look, under normal circumstances, I'd probably try to warm up to you, be your friend or something. But I'm kind of under a time crunch and I need your help. And Liv says, am I supposed to know you? Bonnie says, no, but you will. And Bonnie says, we're in sociology together. I'm Bonnie. My grams, Sheila Bennett, used to teach here occult studies. And Liv says, yeah, I've never heard of it or heard. Bonnie says, "Okay, I know you're a witch. I saw you spin that pen this morning. And Liv says, well, I have no idea what you're talking about. Bonnie says, look, you don't have to be scared. I used to be one, too. I'd be scared if you said used to. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What do you mean? What are you going to do to me? Liv says, yeah, no. Try the campus coven club or something. And then Bonnie stops and says, "Okay, I really need your help. She says, no, we're not doing a little getting to know you thing. Like, you need to come with me right now. I saw you spin a pencil. You're coming with me. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that simple. But then Liv opens up to the real concern here, where she she says, look, even if I wanted to help, I couldn't. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just some freak, okay? Leave me alone. So she, we can assume, doesn't really know anything about witchcraft. She just has little powers. She just plays with them. It's the same thing when Bonnie learned she was a witch. She just, like... Move some feathers around, like lit some candles. Yeah, didn't know any actual spells until she started talking with her. Grams. has got a grimoire. Mm-hmm. Liv tries to leave, but Caroline blocks her at the door and flashes her veins. And Liv says, ah, what the hell are you? Caroline says, you're going to help my friend. Do I need to say it slower? Bonnie starts to set up for a locator spell. There's a map, some stuff, whatever. And Liv says, okay, vampires are real. That makes sense. Actually, that makes no sense. And Bonnie says, you know what? Just concentrate. Forget about the vampires for now. She's like, honestly, that's not really part of it at the moment. It's a whole separate thing. Yeah. Bonnie says, focus on tapping into your power. Listen to the sound of your heart beating. The sound of your lungs flowing with air. And Damon says, how long is this going to take? Well, you just distracted her from focusing on her lungs filling with air. So now longer. Yeah. Caroline says, for a newbie witch to learn a complicated spell under massive stress... She says it kind of like a rhetorical question, but then Damon kind of looks at her like, what? How long? And Caroline says, I have no idea. Bonnie. Caroline <laughs> <laughs> said, I was just being combative. <laughs> yeah, I was just being confrontational. I'm not too happy with you at the moment. Yeah. Bonnie ignores Damon and Caroline's little tiff. She says, repeat after me. And then she says the words of a locator spell, which is like, phasmatos, blah, 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 blah. I didn't write it out. I didn't feel like it. But it's like, "nasex sex virus sequinum, sanguinum. You guys heard it. Um, You know the words. We all need to know phasmatos. After that, it's gravy. <laughs> Liv says, what? And Bonnie says, relax. And she says them. Liv repeats them. Bonnie says, okay, now keep your eyes closed. Use the blood to find Wes. And Liv says, I have no idea what he looks like. And Bonnie says, you don't have to. She said, that's why you have the blood. Yeah. <laughs> Liv does the spell. She starts saying the words. Wind starts, flames flare, and then light bulbs explode and some power goes out in their little section. And then a chandelier falls. Oh, yeah, the chandelier falls. Very fan of the opera. And Damon says, is that a good sign? Liv says, I can't do this. And Bonnie says, just concentrate. Try again. And Liv says, I can't do this. You don't get it. I've done horrible things. I've set buildings on fire. I've hurt people. I can't control any of it. So we do know she has some familiarity with her powers, but that's kind of all we know for now is that maybe they've gotten a little out of control in the past. Yeah, which is usually a good sign that she's pretty powerful. She just needs to figure it out. And frankly, Bonnie needs something to do. So might as well train another witch. Yeah, she could use a project. Damon answers a phone call from Enzo. And Damon says, witchy hotline, how may I help you? Damon speaking. And Enzo says, what's taking so long? Mind you, it's been what, 30 minutes? Yeah, come on, guys. Give her a second. A little bit of patience would be nice. Damon says they seem to have lost motivation. Maybe you can inspire them. That's clearly not what happened. It's clearly on the path. Yeah, Give her a second. She lost motivation because she dropped a chandelier. That seems like a reasonable reaction. Yeah. Bonnie will push her through it. Mm -hmm. Enzo says with pleasure. Damon puts Enzo on speaker and Enzo says, let them know Jeremy will be dead very soon. And Damon says, thank you. And hangs up. That is so lazy. That was your plan anyway. So now you're just reiterating that it's getting closer. Like you gave us the time limit. I know the time limit's coming. Yeah. Give me something real. Raise the stakes a little bit. Let me hear a scream from Jeremy. You have the captive right there. Do something with him. Exactly. Don't you know how to be a successful captor? You've seen it. Enzo's been so long as the captive. He doesn't know how to be the captor. He's too shy. Yeah. Caroline says, Damon, call him back right now and tell him to stop. And Damon says, just so you know, cooperation is not optional. They know that already. What was the point of that? Like, we understand, Damon. Can you just suck it up? Like, can you get over your little dramatic day? We get it. Elena dumped you and it sucks for you. But it's not really necessary for all of us to be in the path. Yeah. And clearly, like, we're moving forward with the plan. Liv didn't leave. Shouldn't you be happy you have a witch here at all? Like, it seems like you're being a little dramatic. Also, because what have you two done all day? Killed Diane. Killed an icon queen. Killed a strong woman. (laughs) We go over to Whitmore House. Enzo is standing by the fire, and he's talking to Jeremy, and he says, you know, Damon tells me your sweetheart hasn't come through on your behalf. And Jeremy says, what are you going to do? I'm sure killing me would really inspire her. Yeah, he's like, if you kill me, she's certainly not going to do it. Yeah. He's like, look, everyone threatens to kill me all the time. I've been killed before. I don't really care enough about what you're doing. Yeah, it's really not that serious to me. (laughs) Enzo says, you know, you're right. She'll think I'm just some cliche murderer. I really like to make a good impression, you know? Okay, you don't do that, but fine. Well, you're not doing it right now. Jeremy pulls at the ropes. It almost seems like he's going to get out. And he says, oh, you don't have to do this. And Enzo says, see, that's the thing about threats. If there's no follow through, no one takes you seriously. And he's been playing with a fireplace poker, but instead what he decides to do is take a plastic bag from someone's dry cleaning, maybe Diane's, and just put it over Jeremy's head and says, sorry to make this about me. And then he chokes Jeremy. Jeremy passes out pretty quickly. And Enzo says, see, wasn't so bad. This is even more personal than drowning Carol Lockwood. Suffocation with a plastic bag? I know, Who even taught you about this? (laughs) And it's so funny because, I mean, this is a classic TV trope. It's a commonly known fact that like strangling someone actually takes like eight minutes. Yeah. So he does it really fast. It's like, okay, well, he's definitely not dead. And it's interesting because if Jeremy were, you know, smart, he would just pretend to pass out. That's what I'm saying. And so that's what I kind of assumed he did because it was so fast, but then come to find out he didn't. That's what I said when Catherine turned Caroline into a vampire. I'm like, if someone is suffocating me, I'm going to pretend I passed out. Yeah. Like that'll make them stop suffocating me. Exactly. I'm just (laughs) like, (laughs) and I know it's a high pressure situation. So like, yes, easier said than done. Yeah. I was not like remotely concerned that Jeremy would be dead from this because also if they really wanted Jeremy to be dead, he would have just snapped his neck. Yeah. Why are you trying suffocation out now? Especially a dry cleaning bag. I could bite through that. Yeah, I'll stick my tongue. Yeah, I can get that out with my tongue. My tongue could break through a dry cleaning bag with the right motivation. My clumpy mascara will rip through it. Yeah, exactly. All that to say, either way, I'm getting out of this one. Yeah. And again, he kills them and then Bonnie's going to help them. And then Jeremy will be dead. It just... It's sloppy planning, and I know that (laughs) Damon and Enzo are not, like, here to have a perfectly laid-out plan. It just seems kind of lazy. It's just a little bit lame for Enzo. It does make a bad first impression. Now I think you're even worse than a cliché murderer. A a cliché murderer would have just actually murdered him. At least a cliché murderer couldn't be thwarted by CPR. Yeah, by Catherine, who doesn't even want him to live, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. So then we go back to the back room where they're doing the spell. And Bonnie says, hey, girly pop, I have done bad things too, okay? I've broken windows. I've set more fires than I can count. And Liv says, is that supposed to make me feel better? She's like, that seems bad. But you also did it. Now you're making me do this. And Bonnie says, I'm saying I learned how to control it. I can teach you the same thing. And then she takes out her phone and she shows a selfie of Jeremy from the weirdest angle. Like, he just put his hand straight out. It's very like 48-year-old man who just joined Tinder angle. <laughs> yeah. For a selfie. Bonnie says, this is Jeremy. And Liv says, he's cute. And I said, shipping! Because <laughs> this is my new couple match. Yeah, you've decided. Bonnie and Enzo need to get together, I've decided. And so Jeremy and Liv can jiv it up. You're pro Benenzo and pro-jiv. Benenzo. That's, I think that's what they're called, actually. I would have guessed Benzo, but Benenzo makes sense in its way. Yeah, Benenzo is more fun. Benenzo, Bonanza. And Jiv. Jiv, laugh, love. <laughs> Bonnie says, yeah, he is cute. And his life is literally in your hands. Liv says, okay, but if I go all chaotic and burn the school down, it's on you. And Bonnie says, fine by me. I don't give a fuck about this school. Bonnie says, deal. At Whitmore House, Enzo drops Jeremy's body to the ground. And Stefan arrives and pushes Enzo against the wall. And Catherine's like, Jeremy. And she goes up to him. She takes the plastic bag off his head and she listens for a heartbeat, which she doesn't hear. And she's like, fucking damn it, Jeremy. She starts to prepare to do CPR, but is like, ew. (laughs) Stefan says to Enzo, you should have left when I told you to. And Enzo says, oh, did I give you the impression I was taking orders from you? My bad. Hot and sexy. Stefan headbutts Enzo. They fight. Catherine continues CPR. She's hating every bit of it. (laughs) Yeah, but she is doing it. Enzo is crawling away from Stefan, who has a fireplace poker. And in a way, like Stefan almost looks like he's going to best Enzo in this fight. Mm -hmm. But Catherine hits Jeremy. He wakes up and she says, thank God. And while that distraction is happening, Enzo takes a piece of firewood and throws it in Catherine's back. Mm -hmm. And she says, Stefan, help me. And Stefan pulls it out. And then Damon enters. And Enzo says, you missed all the fun. Damon doesn't comment on any of this. He says, spell worked. Wes is in Richmond. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, we can go now. And Enzo says, okay, I'll drive. Because Enzo doesn't care. They start to walk out and Stefan says, hey, Damon, don't bother coming back. Damon looks like to Stefan and to what he thinks is Elena, but it's Catherine. Mm -hmm. And then Damon says, I wasn't planning on it. And goes. Catherine is facing away from Stefan. And so for a second, she does a little bit of an Elena performance where she like shakes her head. Yeah, it gives like a dirty look. But then she smiles. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, if he actually leaves town, even easier, bitch. <laughs> she's like, oh my God, he's leaving town. Stefan is ready to give up on him. Oh, it's going to be quick. He just tried to kill Jeremy. I can use that. Yeah, she's living. She thinks she's going to have a new boyfriend by the end of the week. Then we go back out to behind the grill. Tyler comes to after Nadia snapped his neck. And he says, where's Nadia? And Matt says, sorry, slight misunderstanding. And Tyler says, she snapped my neck. What kind of misunderstanding is that? Yeah, Tyler's like, I wouldn't classify it as that. Matt says, you were right. She was compelling me, but only because she wanted to talk about Catherine and she knew I was pissed at her. And at first, it's like, why would Matt believe this? Because she asked him about Kara, Elena, and Stefan, and not about Catherine at all. So at first, it's like, Matt, are you dumb? Even if she did ask him about Catherine, like, she wouldn't need to compel him for that. If anything, compelling him will make him say meaner things about her. Whereas if she didn't, he would be like, oh, I get what you're going through. Like, this is kind of a a bad lie, but luckily, Tyler's an idiot. It is kind of the best Nadia could do, but the best Nadia could have done is not compel Matt in front of Tyler. Yeah. That ship has sailed. Matt says, I guess they didn't really settle their mother-daughter issues before she died. And Tyler says she wanted to talk about Catherine. And Matt says, yeah, but she knew you'd go after her if you knew she was frying my mind. Now, Tyler, I am begging you, begging you, begging you, begging you. You were thinking so critically earlier in this episode. The conversation you overheard Nadia didn't mention Catherine once. She yeah. mentioned some guy named Enzo, who you haven't heard of. So what does that have to do with Catherine? Tyler should be seeing some flags raised right now. Yeah. Matt says, I guess she's got that whole stone cold survival thing going on, like mother, like daughter. And Tyler seems to accept this for now, even though he does still seem a little suspicious, but he does seem to buy it because it's coming from Matt. And Tyler says, OK, little friendly advice. Stay the hell away from her. And Matt says, yep, I plan on it. Nadia is so lucky she found the two dumbest boys in Mystic Falls to try to pull this on. Yeah. Tyler says, you give me a call if she gives you any more hassle. And he leaves. Then Matt gets into the car with Nadia and says, I took care of it. And Nadia says, if he follows us, I'll kill you both. So obviously what Nadia did was told Matt, like, get Tyler off the scent or I'm going to kill both of you. And so he's saving Tyler. Matt says, I said I took care of it. And then Matt says you know, earlier on the phone, you weren't talking to Elena. You were talking to someone who needed information. And she says, you know, do yourself a favor. Stop asking questions. And he says, I don't have any more questions. I figured it out. Matt says, I solved it. He says, your boyfriend once planted himself inside my brain. That's how you were planning on saving Catherine. She didn't die, did she? She jumped into Elena. Matt figuring this out first. I did not even guess him. I wasn't gonna, why would I? I mean, and to be fair, Matt did have a leg up in the sense that he was being actively involved in this by Nadia and Catherine. Yeah. So like, it does make sense that he would figure this out first. But Matt kinging in this way? Yeah. He figured this out interacting with Elena slash Catherine the least. When Matt kings, he kings. You have to respect him for this one. Unfortunately, he is in a position that it's unclear how fast he can get that information to other people, if at all. But Matt has been known to be crafty and king sometimes. So he might be able to get it to someone. And I think people underestimate Matt because he is stupid. So most of the time they're just estimating him. Yeah. But every once in a while, (laughs) sometimes he sneaks one out. And I do think he could get a text out. Mm Mm-hmm. Nadia says, you know, the only thing easier than breaking your neck is taking off your magic life ring. Do you understand? Again, I'm wearing this ring on my big toe in a sneaker. Yeah. What is so fucking difficult about that? You people need to hide that ring. Stop putting it on your finger. I get it's a ring. I get putting it on your toe would be uncomfortable. I'm just saying that's what I would personally do. You don't have to have it on your toe all the time. I do it all the time. I never know when someone's going to come kill me. Yeah vampires are sneaky that way you guys gotta get smarter i'll adjust to it on my toe better yet you know what jonathan gilbert make a nipple ring give me a tongue piercing i think piercing is the way to go with it matt says what are you gonna do with me and she says i haven't decided yet first we need to get the vervain out of your system and then we'll see the thing is nadia does have a soft spot for matt so what do you think she's gonna do with matt oh she's gonna end up letting him go I think her goal right now is to wait for the Vervain to leave his system and then compel him and say, like, forget you figured this out. But like Tyler still knows about it. She didn't kill Tyler. Like she's going to let this information spread because she's not killing Matt. And Catherine's pissing her off. Yeah, because it is it is true that she'll compel Matt. Matt will go home to the Lockwood house and Tyler will be like, hey, where were you all night? And Matt will be like, I don't know. And Tyler will be like, OK, so Nadia compelled you again. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's honestly more likely that in the time it takes to let the Vervain get out of his system, she'll end up somehow on Matt's side of this. Mm-hmm. Cause I think she'll be pissed about the Catherine of it all that Catherine's not really paying attention to her. And you know, in all this time, compelling Matt, Nadia has not once compelled him to give her the knife back. Yeah. That seems like an oversight. She's letting that knife be out there when they know damn well, what it can do. She knows that's how Catherine could die. Exactly. Then we go over to the abandoned hospital. Enzo and Damon have arrived there. And Enzo says, hey, what do you think? Like, paper, scissors, stone for who gets to give Dr. Frankenstein his fatal blow? And Damon says, no, he's all yours. Which is fair. <laughs> Which is fair. Enzo deserves one. And Enzo says, oh, don't tell me you're having second thoughts about leaving home. And Damon says, I was there for Elena. We're done. No reason to go back. hmm Sure. Yeah. And Enzo says, yeah, what about your brother? Damon says, you saw his face. I know that. Look, he's done with me, too. Please. You've thought that many times before. It's never been true. So why would this one be different? They open a door and there's a group of people chanting. It becomes pretty clear by what they're a wearing and b chanting that they (laughs) are travelers. (laughs) Yeah, because travelers. Oh, my God. It's shut up yeah and it's like oh my god you guys you know there's other colors than brown green and gray right <laughs> jesus that group is led by sloan so we know sloan is a traveler should have been a clue when we saw her coming in her first outfit and her name being sloan <laughs> and her name being sloan uh, but she didn't have her hair crimp so what are we supposed to do yeah <laughs> we didn't have enough information <laughs> damon says and you are damon You guys just should vampire run away. Why are we looking at them? They're all chanting. If someone is chanting anything at me, best case scenario, they're a weird person chanting at me. Yes. And I don't need to hear it. I'm not at a choir concert, okay? I'm going. Again, best case scenario, it's a group of people chanting in an abandoned hospital. I don't care if they can't really do magic. I'm leaving. Worst case scenario, they're witches. Wes appears behind them and says, that's my backup. And Damon says, you got to be kidding me. And then they start to feel the effects of the spell. Should have snapped his neck right then and there. Exactly. But who am I? Enzo says, what is this? More witches. And Damon says, close. Travelers. Wes injects Damon with a syringe. At this point, we don't know what it is. We later find out. It is the syringe that Aaron took of the Ripper compound. Wes says, Good luck making new friends, Damon, and leaves. We go back over to Whitmore. Catherine is looking in the mirror. There's a little bit of a scar still from where that piece of wood was thrown in her before. And at first, she's just kind of looking at it. And then she sees Stefan at the door and she goes, No. <laughs> yeah, she like she shifts a little to pose and she like makes a little pain noise. And it's like, Oh, Catherine. Catherine, please. And you know what the worst thing is? Stefan's like, Okay. The worst thing is it works yeah he says you okay and she says actually would you mind i think i still have a splinter in my back and he approaches and she puts the strap down even though the splinter is not blocked by the strap at all the splinter is in the middle of her back the strap is not remotely in the way and to top it all off say something i'm giving up on you is playing say something i'm giving
1: Sorry that I
0: couldn't get to you. It's like, Stefan, I need you to fucking pull it together. You can't possibly be falling for this, but he can. I really need you to be thinking here, Stefan, please don't do this. Let's get moving, buddy. (laughs) I've been defending you as a critical thinker for a long time. I need you to be critical. (laughs) Stefan sees the splinter, and he says, okay, there it is. Try not to move. And she says, sorry. And then she says, I think I know what you wanted to tell me tonight, Stefan. And he takes out the splinter, and she goes, (laughs) ah. She's so funny. She's so iconic for that. (laughs) How is she not giggling this whole time? She's going to get caught by giggling at something. (laughs) Giggling at the wrong thing. She says, Damon killed Aaron, didn't he? You walked right through the threshold at Whitmore House. You couldn't have done that if the owner hadn't been dead. Aaron was the owner. It's a little unclear how she pieced all this together. Likely she overheard Stefan telling Caroline that Aaron is dead. When she knew that she had to get invited into Whitmore House. And she knew that Aaron's last name was Aaron Whitmore. I think she probably overheard it and just figured out some logic to make it sound more like Elena. Exactly. Stefan says, yeah, I should have told you. I'm sorry. Catherine says, why didn't you? I thought that we, you know, maybe I don't deserve anything from you, but I thought we could be honest with each other no matter what. Catherine. She's clearly trying to tee up something that she thinks she's going to get. And Stefan really doesn't give her what she wants. It's not perfect what Stefan does, but he does divert from the worst option. Yeah, she thinks she's getting a kiss tonight. Yeah, because Stefan says, you want me to be honest? And she says, yes, because she thinks where this is going is. Stefan's going to be like, the truth is, I've never gotten over you and I want to get back together. Yeah, we're not quite there, Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, fuck. Stefan says, all right. The truth is, ever since the first time I noticed you falling for my brother, I have been waiting for him to screw something up so badly that you hate him. And Catherine's like, all right, here we go. Yes. And Catherine's like, yeah, and he did it. And Stefan says, so I've been waiting and watching him do all these horrible things. And then every single time I think he's gone too far, he's there for you. And Catherine says, wait, what? And I'm like, oh my God, he's noticing. Like she's forgiven everything. Why would she stop now? I was like, he's figuring it out. Not quite. No. Stefan says, you know, sometimes he was there for you in ways better than I ever was. Often, I would argue. (laughs) It's just so fascinating that Stefan is finally getting to this point, right when Catherine would easily just hook up with him today. Good for Stefan. Good timing. But he says, so the truth is, after a while, I just stopped waiting for him to fail because I liked the person he had become. And I don't want to lose that person. So it's not quite figuring it out. It's not, I want to hook up. So it's somewhere in the middle. It's more positive than negative for us if we're rooting for them. But it's it's bad for Catherine. Because it is kind of like, you know, I think you and my brother are a good couple. And I think the growth is there. He's not saying don't give up on him, but he is kind of implying it. Well, because he's also saying, like, I know it's really bad right now, but I've thought he was past the point of no help before. And he's always come back. And that's because of you and you've made him better. So it's probably going to be easier for him to come back this time. Yeah, you've always been able to help him be a better person. And like, I hope you don't give up on him like you never gave up on me is kind of the vibe. Yeah, but Catherine really wants to turn against Damon. She's like, I really want to put this to bed. She's like, no, we hate Damon now because he killed, what's his name? and <laughs> <laughs> Because you know what he did. Because he killed, it's not Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> he killed Alan? <laughs> Catherine says, he threatened my brother, Stefan. I can't go back to that. Well, he killed him too and you were fine. (laughs) Stefan's like, "Mm, Elena would have. I think Elena would have been fine. Especially since he lived. Yeah. I get what she's saying. And Stefan kind of falls for it because yeah, whatever. But it is just funny that it's like, "Mm, Elena got past that before. Well, because she needs to be like, no, he finally did something that made me hate him. And it's like that. Like that can't possibly be the final straw. First of all, he didn't even kill Jeremy. Enzo did. And you brought him back to life with CPR. Yeah. Jeremy's been way deader before. Multiple times. (laughs) Yeah. Stefan says, I know. But then Catherine says, but if you want to save him from himself, then I'll help you. But not for myself. Not for him. For you. Now, Stefan, I am begging, begging, begging you to think critically. First of all, Elena would do it for Damon. Even if she wasn't going to do it for Damon, she would do it for herself to feel good about herself. She'd do it for you too, but like she wouldn't be doing it only for you. Yeah, she wouldn't be like, oh, not for him, for you. She would be doing it for him. Yeah, she'd be doing it for all of you. Even when Stefan's humanity was off and Damon really wanted Stefan back, she was like, you know, Stefan really hurt my feelings, but I'm trying to get him back for him. She wasn't like, I'm not doing it for him. It's for him. Yeah. If anything, that's Elena's flaw is she's always trying to save people who don't want to be saved, which, you know, they do want to be saved, but they act like they don't. But like Elena will always save. It doesn't matter who it is or what they've done. That is the one constant about Elena. Exactly. She's not giving up on Damon again because he kidnapped Jeremy one time. Elena didn't even give up on Catherine and she killed Jeremy. Elena forgave Catherine for killing Jeremy. Come on, be serious. She touches his face, they hug, and then Catherine like smiles and they nuzzle a little bit. And Caroline comes in and Simon's like, hey, and Catherine clocks this. Because Caroline's like, this seems awful cozy in a way that I don't think Elena would be. Yeah. The suspicion is mounting. Well, and also because even if Elena was ready to give up on Damon after he kidnapped Jeremy for like half an hour, She wouldn't immediately go hook up with Stefan. You know, we know she did that with Damon, but that was because she was sired to Damon. Yes. You know, that's also because she was in love with Damon. I will argue. Like, she wouldn't do that again. She wouldn't do that again to, like, the other brother, I don't think. I think also just given the history of everything, Mm -hmm. she wouldn't do that. She's not in, like, a hookup mood tonight. Yeah. When she hooked up with Damon after dumping Stefan, her brother hadn't been kidnapped that day. Well, it's also, like... I don't think hurting Damon would stop her from hooking up with Stefan. Yeah. But hurting Stefan would stop her from hooking up with Stefan. Exactly. Or she'd just be like, I want to hang out with Jeremy tonight. Like, there's a bunch of reasons she wouldn't, like, immediately hook up with Stefan. Or she'd be like, I want to go be there for Caroline because she's had a rough night. I want to be there for Bonnie. Like, there are so many people she would rather go be with tonight than Stefan in this situation. Now, Catherine, she only wants to be with Stefan, so she wouldn't go anywhere else. Like, she won't even go see her own fucking daughter. Yeah. Even though Nadia's losing control over in Mystic Falls, Catherine, you really should check on Nadia. Yeah, Nadia's not handling it well. Your secret is going to be out and it's not even going to be your fault. hmm We go back over to the abandoned hospital. Damon is laying on the floor and he comes to. He seems to be in a bit of pain. Enzo is also there. And Enzo says, oh, what did he stick you with? And Damon says, I don't know. And Enzo gets him up. And then Damon says, you know, I can tell you that if he stuck me with that cannibal vampire poison, we might have a little problem. And Enzo says, what kind of problem? A cannibal vampire poison problem. (laughs) I just told you. (laughs) I didn't give it a fancy name. Damon says, for context, Wes has this little sick scheme to destroy vampires by making them feed on each other. Then he hears some chains rattle. And Damon says, oh, you hear that? And they go down the hallway to investigate. In another room, Damon finds our friend Joey from the beginning of the episode. He wakes Joey up and Joey says, hey, can you get me out of here? I don't want to be here. I need to get out. <laughs> so Damon breaks the chains for him because he's nice. But then he notices there's blood on Joey's wrists from the chains. Joey says, thanks. I owe you one. And Damon's like, oh yeah, you do. Damon says, time to cash that in. Um, His veins appear. Joey says, hey, what's happening to you? Damon says, I'm going to go ahead and say karma. Karma is happening to me. Because he's like, okay, it came back to bite me hard. He is envious that karma is not a relaxing thought for him. Yeah. Little Taylor Swift (laughs) joke. Little Taylor Swift. (laughs) Damon then starts to feed on Joey. And it's looking super violent. Yeah, we immediately see a spurt of blood out of the neck like the second he bites him. Yeah. Yeah. And then Enzo comes in. He says, hey, Damon, stop. Uh, But Damon doesn't stop until he literally tears Joey's head off. So who's the Ripper now, huh? Yeah, who's the Ripper now? Number one, rest in peace, Joey. We love you, King. Yeah, sorry about your day. Sorry, sorry, you died. (laughs) And Enzo says, okay, I can see how this might be a problem. And that is where we end the episode. First question, how's Damon going to get out of this one? So I have a couple options here. Sure. One, Dr. Maxfield loves to make an antidote for anything. He sure does. It's not outside the realm of possibility that there's an antidote for this. Now, would he be stupid to have that in his lab that I'm sure is not, you know, protected from vampires being invited in because he doesn't have any funding. So he's working in abandoned places. So I do think that's one easy possibility. The other option I think is to get him just Completely locked up in like the Salvatore dungeon, let him starve for a while while you figure out kind of how this works, what this means. Because I do think like Enzo doesn't want Damon to die and he certainly doesn't want Damon to kill him. Yeah. And he knows there are people who care about Damon. Like I think it's not crazy that Enzo would like kind of snap his neck, bring him back to the Salvatore house and be like, we have something to figure out. Hey, Stefan, I know you and me have, you know, had a little bit of an antagonistic relationship so far. <laughs> For that, I do want to apologize. <laughs> I'm a little out of my league here. Even though I've, I was in this lab for years and years, you'd be shocked how little I heard about how things worked. <laughs> <laughs> so I think those are kind of the two paths we have with this because, you know, we're not killing Damon like we killed Jesse. And I do think there's also this fact that Wes Maxfield is still walking around. Yeah. People will still go bother him. And he had this one syringe. It doesn't seem like he had an unlimited amount of whatever this was. Mm -hmm. He made a comment that he has to replicate things. So I think we can assume that he doesn't have any more of this. He has to make a new batch. Yeah. And there's also the possibility, you know, this is like his first attempt at a one-shot version of this. Mm -hmm. So it may not necessarily be as strong as it was for Jesse. Although, you know, it's looking pretty strong (laughs) at the moment. We only saw Jesse with it for a while maybe it wears off. Yeah, it may be that, like... You just have to wait for it to get out of your system. Or you kill one vampire, it does it, you know? Like, we don't really know how it lasts. Like, we only saw Jesse bite someone and then get killed. Like, he didn't even get to the full death point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have a lot of possibilities here of what this means. And also because I think Wes Maxfield is going to want to keep track of Damon... So we can see how this works. You know, if he really is a scientist, he's going to want to see how this experiment goes. Mm -hmm. Here's my follow-up question. How does this bode for Wes? Oh, bad. (laughs) You know, Wes's days are numbered anyway. Everybody hates him. Yeah. And now he's just like affected someone else who, you know, Stefan is still trying to save him. I do think, you know, Catherine is like not going to want to do anything about this because she just doesn't care. But Catherine can't really get away with not doing anything about this. Do you think the Travelers are going to do anything to protect Wes? Because from what we know now, Sloane wants something from Wes. She wants him to analyze some blood. We don't know if Sloane is working on behalf of the Travelers or on her own. She seems to be on behalf of the Travelers because she has a whole group with her. Do you think that will provide him protection? Or do you think that won't be enough? Since he seems to just hop to whatever alliance will protect him in the moment. And they're kind of the only people. Yeah, I think it will protect him a little bit. I don't think it's a long term solution because we've seen travelers get killed so easily so many times. And I also think Wes is not above double crossing travelers, even though it would be dumb for him to do so just on funding alone. Yeah, I think he's not going to handle this well, regardless. Let's move on to Catherine, because you mentioned Catherine briefly. How much longer can Catherine get away with this? Uh, you know, I say this every time, but she's getting found out next episode. <laughs> like, it's insane that she's gotten away with it this long. There are seeds planted already that people will figure this out. I think, especially with this Damon situation, she can't fake care about Damon. She just can't. Like, she can fake caring about Jeremy for little pockets of time.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Cause she's like, that's her brother. I get in theory, she cares about him. Like she can follow that basic logic. Mm -hmm. She does not care about Damon. Plus Jeremy has been so distracted with Bonnie and like having his own little independent life that he and Elena haven't really been hanging out much. Whereas like Damon knows Elena very well. Yeah. And I think in ways better than Stefan does. Mm -hmm. So I do think that if she gets too much FaceTime with Damon, Oh, it's over, over. Well, I think it's not a crazy thought that when they find this out about Damon, Stefan's first plan is going to be, okay, Elena, you need to talk to him, remind him who he is and why he wouldn't want to hurt you specifically or like any of us. Mm -hmm. And Catherine's not going to be able to successfully do that. But like, she can't say, no, I don't want to help him with this. Like, I think it's a very, very thin ice she'd be getting on. Well, here's a question. Do you think she's going to try to use that to turn anyone else completely against Damon? Like that she's going to almost try to sabotage Damon by like attempting to have an emotional conversation, but like actually being mean. Yeah. Do you think she's going to try to sabotage Damon slash would she get away with it? I think it's a dangerous game because I do think she could try that. But I think the like the best way to sabotage him in this case is to essentially let him out of the dungeon, which puts her in a very dangerous position mm-hmm. that I don't think she's ready to do. The only person that she could really turn against Damon more with this, because I think most people are going to be on the side of helping Damon get out of this. No one wants to see him like just have to be killed. I think her one way out of this is if she knows about the Jesse situation, that they immediately killed Jesse for this same preclusion is that a word i think it is i think so i don't know if it's the right word for that sentence but i don't know if it is it sounds right sounded cool but i think that's a way to kind of bring caroline in and say you know we had to kill jesse for this there was no way out we might have to entertain that possibility which Mm -hmm. i think she can't really say that to Stefan because elena would never say that Mm mm-hmm But she can float that possibility. And we don't know if she knows about the Jesse situation. I don't think she does. Exactly. That is, I think, one of her only ways out that I don't think she even has access to. So Matt won the race of being the first one to figure this out. Who do you think is going to be the next person to figure out that that is Catherine? If you have to pick who we know now, who is most likely to figure it out? I'm between two. Okay. And the two are Caroline and Damon. And I'm going to pick Caroline. Okay. You don't think it's going to be Stefan? I Stefan is a, a close third place. Yeah. But given what he's shown me this week, I'm not hopeful. <laughs> it's not looking good. Not hopeful yeah. for Mr. Man. Yeah, exactly. He's fallen for the flirting a little too easily for my liking. This week has not made us confident that Stefan will figure it out. Yeah. Last question slash discussion topic. We met two new characters who seem to be set up for arcs based on their introduction, Sloan and Liv. So let's talk about them. Let's start with Liv because we met her first. Mm-hmm. Predictions for Liv. So I do think Bonnie needs another witch to train. It'll make her feel useful. Kind of her taking Sheila's role. They also, you know, it's helpful to have a witch around. And I do think since we have this set groundwork that like Liv is so powerful, she like burn down multiple buildings supposedly. Or, like, strata multiple fires at least. Yeah. Um, I think there is this possibility of she can kind of help Bonnie not be the anchor to the other side or bring Bonnie back into being a witch. That's interesting. Because I'm, again, convinced that that is something that's going to happen. And I think another witch is one way to do that. Yeah. And I am, I am like legitimately rooting for her with Jeremy. I don't know how that's going to happen. You're a Jiv Truther. I'm a Jiv truther and it's literally just because I'm a Jana truther and this is close. I'm going to get to that apparently. Yeah. Do you think Liv is going to join our group or do you think like how long do you think her arc is going to be with us? I think around the end of the season. I don't think she'll necessarily make it through the whole season. Sure. Because I think she's more a tool to bring witchcraft back into the group a little bit. I do think there's also this possibility, you know, you made a joke about her being related to the Whitmores. But like the odds of her being a witch, not knowing anything about witchcraft, but happening to be at a school with an occult studies program that had witches around, we just have to entertain the possibility that she knew about that. Whether she knew Sheila or not, I do think we have to float the possibility that she knew Shane. Interesting. Because Shane tried to teach Bonnie to control expression. She can't control it. I just think we have to draw that parallel so do you think maybe she's studied witchcraft before in a way more than she's let on to Bonnie or do you think she does truly not know how to control it I think she doesn't know how to control it I think she like but she thought that coming to Whitmore might offer her the opportunity to control to learn to control it yeah or that she like knew that there would be other witches around but I think she like hasn't met any so she hasn't been like aware of it and she doesn't know how to go up to people and be like hey <laughs> And I think she also is scared of using that magic. So I think she's kind of not sure the path that it would go. Because mm-hmm. it might also be that someone tried to help her control it and she burned him up or <laughs> something. That's true. Or something happened that she tried to use magic to save someone and it didn't work. Like something like that. Moving on to Sloan. Here's a question I want to ask you. Right now, travelers, as we've seen them, are mostly like a mass of people. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a leader for Travelers. We don't even know if they're capable of following direction. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't they don't seem particularly organized. It seems like whenever someone calls them to do something, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So do you think Sloane will kind of step into that leader-traveler role? Or do you think we still have yet to meet a leader for the Travelers? I think she is kind of who will understand as a leader- just because she's the one who's seeking out Wes. I don't think she's necessarily like leading multiple travelers. It seems like travelers kind of travel in packs, much like werewolves, that they're like in these groups that work together. And so they just follow along with whatever group they happen to be with. Yeah. And it's possible too, that they knew crimpy Mia, yeah, um, <laughs> who is now dead. And they're looking for her because she had the one fucking hair crimper. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she was hogging it. Do you think they know Nadia? I don't think so. Okay. They might know of Nadia. I think the same way that other travelers were looking for Catherine for some reason and wanted Catherine dead for some reason. Like they might be aware of Nadia, but not enough to like, like, I don't think they know her. I I think there's a chance they knew that Mia was helping someone who was also a traveler. I'm assuming that they're aware of other travelers movements, but may not necessarily like be completely plugged in. I have to ask, if Sloane is with the Travelers, (laughs) what do the Travelers, like, what is their goal? Again, here's what we know about Sloane. She wanted Wes to analyze some blood, and she wants to protect Wes from being killed. And she's got apparently a ton of money. So what do the Travelers want? Here are the things that I'll say about the Travelers. This is just my read on them, which... Take it with a grain of (laughs) salt. But... The Travelers were doing their own thing. And then Silas, Amara, and ketsia really fucked a bunch of shit up for them. Sure. They really altered the course of what life would look like and what Travelers would look like. So I do think with Silas and Amara dead, I think they are concerned about if the cure is still out there, if they can make another cure. I don't know why they'd want a cure. I mean, to their knowledge, even if Mia's involved, like let's say they know Mia's movements, the only place the cure lived on was in Catherine's body. Not only is Catherine now dead. I mean, you know, Catherine's Mm -hmm. not dead, but semantics. Yeah. Semantics. But Catherine's body burned up. Like there's not a cure anywhere. Maybe they know something different. Uh, You said before that they might want a cure, but that they wouldn't necessarily want to eradicate vampires. They just want to get rid of any travelers who became vampires. Oh, I did say that, didn't I? You sure did. It's okay to change your mind. (laughs) No, I think the other possibility that I'll go with is I do think based on the Silas storyline that it's not so much vampires, but that they would want to eradicate immortality. Oh, I think I said this, that it's a balance of nature thing. Yes. That they don't believe in immortality and they want to stop that from happening. But you also said, but you can change your mind. You said at first I was like, then why aren't they just killing all these vampires? You said, because they only care about people who are travelers. So like if they want to eradicate immortality, why bother with a cure? Just learn a spell that kills a vampire. I mean, why bother with West Is it to that end, you know? Well, I think West offers something that kind of takes care of this process for them. Mm-hmm. And I think if they can make a cure that's transferable. So look, what happened with, with Catherine was that she took the cure, her blood became the cure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, yes, she wasn't a vampire anymore, but if they could somehow combine with West that vampires want vampire blood, but they specifically want cured vampire blood, could get rid of immortality oh so the goal would be let me make sure i'm getting this straight they make someone a ripper who wants to hunt a vampire
1: mm-hmm.
0: but then the vampire who they hunt has cured, cured blood. blood yeah so then they cure themselves so the ripper can only hunt one vampire yeah but then they're cured yeah but then what's the point of making a ripper if it's just gonna be it's like a bee it's like a bee the bee the bee stings and then dies no so that he goes and finds the cure immediately okay like as soon as he gets turned into a ripper and then he the cure goes through his blood okay so they just give everyone the ripper virus so you give everyone the ripper virus and the cure well so you have to have someone cured first to start and somehow that has to attract the people who want the vampire blood so i respect that this takes a couple jumps yeah so wait no so they're cured so they turn into a human So then the Ripper who cures vampires isn't going to want them anymore. No, like somehow they want cured vampire blood, assuming it's different than human blood, because we saw Catherine react differently to vampire blood. So we have to assume a cured vampire is slightly different than a human. Also because she went to the other side. So if they can shift Dr. Maxfield's formula to want cure blood specifically, they just have to cure a couple... Either way, they'd have to administer one or the other en masse, right? Not necessarily. I think if they had a couple cured ones and like, let's say they had three cured vampires. Okay. (laughs) Right? I'm following, I'm following. I'm I'm picturing like a pyramid. It's going to be a pyramid scheme. No, it's like a pyramid scheme. That's what I'm getting to. Like you just start with like a baseline. Like let's even say one cured vampire. Okay, just give me the math. And then you give two vampires the... A syringe that makes them want the cured blood they both bite that cured vampire the cured vampire doesn't die from that but they will die very soon of old age and then those two have the cure right so then two more vampires bite each of them it's a pyramids well but then either way so what i'm saying is then you have to somehow make all those people rippers who want the cured vampire blood oh that is true well here's what you do <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so you have the pyramid schemes to work but once they're cured, like you give them a packet. It's like their Mary Kay catalog, right? Yeah, of Where course. You give them the cure, and then you say, Hey, oh no. You give them the syringe. Yeah. And then they go cure someone and then they and they say, Hey, whoever you bite and cure, you have to give them this syringe as well. Or well, that doesn't work. No, but yeah, they bite them. So they bite someone who's already cured and then they give them a syringe so so maybe not i will say i admire that you stuck with it for as long as you did this theory of yours i honestly kind of thought it was working for longer than it i I, it should i should have thought i kind of thought i might be doing something i was like she's just asking me these questions because she wants me to get off this clearly correct (laughs) because i'm on the right track i'm getting too close i know too much Essentially, I think it's a combination of Cure and Ripper and the goal being eradicate vampires. Okay. I don't need to figure out the logistics of it. That's Sloane's problem. So how long do you think Sloane will be with us? Do you think her arc is going to mirror whatever the Traveler arc is? Do you think she's going to become a bigger character? What's your vibe? I think it's going to mirror the Traveler arc, and I don't think she'll be a big character. Because I don't particularly think we'll be dealing with the Travelers after this season. One can dream. I think that they're going to run out of things to do. And I do think we know that travelers are a type of witch, but I think they're less strong than a normal witch. Mm -hmm. I think that's why they need like 40 of them chanting to get one aneurysm. So I do think if we get Lomas live to be nice and powerful, that might help us either way. I don't think Sloan's long for this world. I mean, travelers, they just fucking dropping like flies at this point. Yeah. They don't seem bright. They're teaming up with Wes, who is already on his way out. Like, this is not a winning team. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. As always, if you are enjoying Vampire Diaries and or Doppelgangers, please tell your friends and give us five stars rating and review on Apple and Spotify podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.